Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday, January. What is this? The twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. I had to. I see. I had to get. Uh, I had to get uh, prepped on that. January twenty fourth. Now, I just want to welcome everyone to the Hagman Report for today, January twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen, Wednesday. The the days do fly by, don't they? I've been finding that uh, it's an incredible time to be alive. A lot of headlines facing us. A lot of news. The, the news is coming at us fast and furious. Obviously, the headlines are are just uh, uh, smacking us around in a big way. I want to welcome everyone to the, tonight's broadcast. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Bottom of the hour, Greg Hunter. Fantastic. You're going to have to just hear what he's got to say. And, of course, our third-hour guest is Pastor David Langford. Now, coming out of the gate, I just want to mention, I want to welcome to the Hagman Report, a, a brand-new sponsor. This is a company I've been working with for quite some time. And, and as the regular listeners know and viewers know, the most important thing to me my family and of course that includes my dog possessions really don't mean a whole lot but my family means everything to me and I only leave my family in the protection of one company and simply safe I want to welcome them to the Hagman Report as sponsors of our program folks if you haven't heard of this company uh, they've arranged a great uh, basically a great deal for the Hagman Report listeners. Go to simplysafe.com slash Hagman. That's simplysafe.com slash Hagman. And again, this is a company I've worked with for uh, quite a while. And SimplySafe has been around for many years. They've transformed into the fastest growing security company in the nation. They protect, right now, they protect over 2 million people. And I've got to tell you this. This company is the best, in my view, the best security company out there. And I've had ADT. I, I mean, I've had them all. Uh, but this company by far is, in my view, the greatest. Their system has been completely re- rebuilt, revamped, and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages and on and on. More about that later, but simplysafe.com slash Hagman. If you go to HagmanReport.com, all you have to do is scroll down a little bit, click on the link to Simply Safe, and there, just browse. And I'm going to show you this because I, I am into I'm not a tech, I'm not a tech guy, but I I am into security, and this is um, one of the cameras from Simply Safe. Anywhere I am in, in the country, I can check on my my home, my family. Simply Safe, perfect. As a matter of fact, uh, I was out of the office, and we we have this by the way in our uh, Simply Safe. We have this in our office. We have this in our studio, as well as our homes. My my daughter Jackie and her husband Eric, the tech, they have Simply Safe as well. We are consumers as well as big proponents of SimplySafe.com. Thank you so much, Simply Safe. More again, more about that later. And, and I suppose I should start out by one thing. I just want to apologize for yesterday. It sounded kind of rough, and I got some emails saying, "You know what? Uh, kind of insulting. You don't think we care?" And, and I got to thinking about that today, and I thought, "My goodness, you know." I listened to last night's broadcast, which I never do, and I thought, "My goodness, you know, 
boy, was I in a testy mood last night. And it's not that, that was not directed at anyone. You, You know, you just get so, well, you know how it is out there. And this is from the heart. Um, you, you just get so wrapped up in the headlines, the news of the day. It's, and it's, and let me ask you a question. Doesn't it seem like a lot of stuff's going on, but nothing ever gets done? A lot of, ex- a lot of criminality exposed, but no one ever gets held accountable. Now, if it were you and I, um, my goodness, we would be held accountable. I had a gentleman in my office today, a guy I've known for, for quite some time. He came down and, and, uh, he had, uh, a legal situation and and uh he, he was t- he was talking about about the situation i'm not going to of course name him but he was saying you know um explaining to me what he did and i'm thinking to myself my goodness uh he's facing more prison time than uh, for for something that was totally innocuous that he did it, at least in my view he had no intent he had, it was just something really i'm not going to get into it but but and here he's he's Already five thousand dollars in legal debts uh, for defense, and he's facing three months in prison for something he never intended to have happen. So, you know, when we look at all of this, we look at Hillary Clinton, we look at at James Comey, who, by the way, and I'm going to kick it over to Joe, who, by the way, has now proclaimed his friend, Mr. Richmond, the the, the guy that he gave the memo to to leak. He gave that, uh, or now he's proclaiming a attorney-client privilege between those two. And you know, if it was any one of us, we would be, we that wouldn't, that, we would not, that would never happen with any one of us. It was just amazing. Oh, and one other thing, hey, hey John, do you have that book that I, I, uh, I, I want to show you this. This really made my made my day too. Check this out, guys and ladies. I don't know, Eric, if you can. If, I don't know how well this is going to translate. Just keep it there? Okay. This was, I want to thank, um, GT from London, the UK. I haven't seen that yet. Oh my goodness. I was rolling on the floor. This is an adult coloring book. Okay. It's called, well, I can't, you can, you can read the, the title. It's Go the Bleep to Jail. And then on the back is lock her up from the suicide or murder of Vince Foster to the extremely careless, uh, or just plain illegal handling of talks, top secret emails. Hillary and her partner in crime bill have done it all. And it goes on, but this was so well done. And, uh, if you just take a look at, well, I don't know. Again, I don't know if you can see the inside, but it's a, it's a color. It's an adult coloring book. And when I say adult, it, it's, there's nothing untoward in there. It's just, uh, it's meant for, uh, you know, coloring by, by adults. But this, this had me rolling on the floor laughing. Um, and I, again, I want to thank, uh, GT from London, UK for that. Um, I guess I can say, uh, Mr. Thomas from London, UK. I guess I can say that there are probably a lot of Thomases out there, but my goodness, what a, what a hoot this is. So I want to lead off with that and say thank you so much. Welcome, Simply Safe. Uh, slash Hagman as a sponsor of the Hagman Report. And, and again, just kind of apologize to everyone listening because last night it was just, again, you just get to the point where, my goodness, it's so overwhelming and so incredible. And by the way, just for clarification, I didn't show this last night, but but when people thought the memo was released, and then I'm going to turn it over to Joe, this is uh, 99 pages. This is the... the, um, uh, the page one of the 99 page audit. And in the upper right corner 
dated April 26, 2017. This has been online for a while. And if you read this, this is good reading. I, I told my wife, I said, you know, you should read this. And she said, 99 pages. I'm not going to read that, but we've read it for you. The bottom line is it's really incriminating in terms of uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI. So very interesting nonetheless. So it, although the memo wasn't released, although it will be, uh, a vote in the House, and then because of its classification, and then to the president, the president's got five days to release it. So all that said, welcome to tonight's show. Joe, I'm going to toss it to you. All right, well, we have a lot to get into today. We have news on the memo, the memo that Devin Nunez has, the four-page memo everybody's been so interested in. The White House has said that they don't have to approve the release of the explosive FISA memo, that it can be released by the members of the House Intelligence Committee for the public. And we have seen the news on CNN today and other mainstream sources where they're putting out the storyline that Nunez is hiding the memo, won't share it with the FBI or DOJ, and therefore it is, you know, basically illegitimate and is just a, a biased list of talking points put together to make the FBI look bad. And they think that because they're not sharing it with the FBI, therefore there is nothing credible about the memo. But why share the memo with the same people you are accusing of wrongdoings? So I don't see much uh, legitimacy in their talking points. We've learned more about the missing text messages of Strauch and Page. The FBI has stated that nearly 10% of the 35,000 employees' text messages from this time period are missing, that it is not only Strauch and Page, but again, 10% of the FBI's 35,000 employees. Senior Department of Justice officials told Fox News they are taking steps to recover the text messages from the appropriate cell phone carriers. The same officials told Fox News that they are making every effort to track down the physical cell phones in question so they could be subject to a forensic review. Many people have taken uh, issue with these missing text messages and speculation about what is in them is wide-ranging. Anything from the secret society meeting behind closed doors, which, an interesting thought, Remember the Obama mansion that's only two blocks away from the White House? The one where Valerie Jarrett was allegedly staying after the presidential um, yep. inauguration? Is it possible that that is one of the places that they could have been meeting in with their secret societies? I think it's something to uh, look into for sure. Well, if I can just say this on my morning show, I asked, I, I had done, and Joe, I'm not sure if we had talked about this on the flagship show, several months ago, and I'm pleading with the, the listeners and viewers of the, of the Hagman Report, several months ago, it might have been on InfoWars, it might have been on my morning show, I don't know where it was, I, I tend to think it was maybe during an InfoWars interview. I had, I had come out and said that the uh, what my my contact within the FBI right now he's still there and he was there several several months ago had said that they were conducting surveillance and it was at a church this one location and I asked them point blank if it was okay for me to to release this information and I had given this information out where there was workers from the government meeting in a church that was one location. Richard B. found the, the episode you're looking for, okay. by the way. Thank you. Can you send it to the studio at Hagman? He's Hagman. already he's okay. already got it there. It Thank is you. the Doug Hagman radio show from December 21st, 2017, titled Buckle Up, 
exposure of the deep state is on Thank the horizon. Thank you. All right. You know what? If you, um, whoever sent that, Richard, you said? Richard. For your hard work and for your diligence, um, the least I can do, if you want, I will send you a copy of my book. It's just all you have to do is send me an email with your, um, with that, uh, just put on the subject line, uh, your name. And then I'll, and, but just provide your mailing address and I'll send you a copy of my book, personalize if you like, or, hey, I'll wash your car. I don't know. I'll, I'll do your dishes for your wife. But thank you. Go ahead, Joe. So, uh, we'll get back to the memo, but the, the text messages, they're saying about 3,500 employees or 10% of the FBI lost, uh, due to some, some glitch, technical glitch, that these text messages were lost. And that is why they were never turned over. So we hear, you know, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he's not going to leave any stone unturned. They mention in here they're trying to recover the text from cell phone carriers while also looking for the original phone devices, and which I don't think they'll find the original devices. Even in the text messages that were back and forth that have been released, they even talk about alternative devices that they were using to communicate their plans about Hillary Clinton and, and other matters. And they also talk about how to delete the text messages permanently uh, so they can't be recovered from a device. So it is uh, definitely a mystery that has lots of um, speculation as to what was in the text and if it uh, was talking about uh, the furthering of the secret society, the furthering of a coup, violence against Trump, the undermining of his his presidency, and we have seen uh, definitely the undermining of the, the presidency. And one thing that's not being talked about, as there are a lot more articles now about this subject, one by Michael Goodwin that's on Hagman Report, the, and it is titled, Evidence Suggests Massive Scandal Brewing at the FBI. And this is one of the better reports that compiles uh, basically a timeline of what exactly is going on and why we are seeing uh, you know all this stuff come out into the open and what really happened. And he has uh, put together a great article that's up on Hagman Report. That's from the New York Post. And we still have um, more information on the Mueller probe. It came out that he was questioning Jeff Sessions and, and Comey. Well, Trump has come out and said that he will do an interview with Mueller while under oath, which I don't know if that's his, that, his that, hot that's, air. That, that's a bad Yeah, move. that's pretty stupid. That's a bad move. But we'll see. I mean, I, I don't doubt that uh, you know Trump doesn't have anything to hide as far as the, the Russia investigation is concerned. But we've seen how far-reaching Mueller uh, is willing to go going after Manafort for things that had nothing to do with the campaign, and even looking at the possibility uh, of 10 years back into Trump's financial records, which it, well, makes Joe, no sense. But anyway. Do, do, do you know how Flynn got in trouble, right? Uh, and, well, that's some more information is coming out about that. He lied to the uh, White House. He lied to the vice president in an interview. But Okay, but, but that aside, just what he got charged with was uh, false statements under oath. Right. Okay, now I'll tell you something. In all, interviewed by Strauch, by the way. Right. In, in all my years uh, of being an investigator in the private sector, I, in the, the criminal side that I've worked on the defense side, I've never, ever, 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 ever seen a charge for lying under oath. Ever. Ever. Even when it's blatant. Well, That's right. number one. Number two, um, it, it, the, the pressure was put on Flynn where essentially they tossed everything at him and said, if you cop to this or you got two choices we're just going to slam you your family we're, we're going to come after you with everything we've got we're going to bankrupt you we're going to go after your, your children and their children and every generation to come until you know forever 
or you can just sign off on this charge and everything will go away. That's basically what they did to Flynn. And the only other thing I want to mention, because you were talking about it, Office of Inspector General Michael Horowitz has the text, period. Well, that's what I believe. We will see, that's for sure. Um, why wouldn't he release them if, if he had the text? He, if you look at a letter that was dated, I think it was December or September of last year, I've got it in my office, I didn't bring it. Uh, he sent a letter to, I believe it was... Uh, uh, the House Intelligence Committee or the Senate Judiciary Committee saying that, uh, that he had collected all of the communications from the Department of Justice and the FBI in the audit that he was doing. This is subsequent to the, the, uh, the audit, the, the memo that, that I showed earlier, the 99 page memo. So it, that's number one. Number two, Dan Bongino, who is a regular on Fox News, had said, and, and I, and I have a tendency to believe this, that the, um, this was a tactic to find out who is leaking or who is leaking, and th- this is a tactic by the and, and this I believe by the White Hats, shall we say, on the Trump side, to to put it out that the texts are gone. And then, me cringe. I'm white telling hats. you. Well, when I say White Hats, what term would you use? I don't know, but I have a problem with that word. Just by the way the, we've the, seen the it guys. talked about from the Robert Mueller to and, the good people. Okay. okay. The, the, the people interested in truth and justice. And there are some. Many. Well, we're going to continue to, to dig into this, uh, as that author Goodwin I told you about. All roads lead to Comey as evidence suggests scandal. Too big to believe brewing at FBI. But I want to read an email from a Kenneth we got today who talks about look into the big lie, which in part states never allow the public to cool off, never admit a fault or wrong, never concede that there may be some good in your enemy, never leave room for alternatives, never accept blame, concentrate on one enemy at a time, and blame him for everything that goes wrong. People will believe a big lie sooner than a little one. If you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. And uh, that is very true. So when you talk about the what did Flynn get charged with, and these uh, charges unrelated to Russia and Trump brought on by Mueller, you see one of the, the, the media's complicity in this, and one of the things that they do when they try to argue that there is evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia is to throw these guilty pleas of lying to the FBI out as some kind of proof that there already is uh, evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia, which it's just not true. And uh, this is something that, you know, they continue to hammer away at CNN today and, and the other news organizations all focusing on this Mueller probe, like something is getting ready to, to come out, some big obstruction charge or evidence against Trump. They're continuing to double down, double down, double down. And that reminds me of the email I just read, you know, the, the believing in the big lie. They'll never concede to any wrongdoing, even if it came out that Trump was completely innocent, set up by the FBI and the media, they will never admit to that. And we see former Obama administration officials still working against Trump. John Kerry went to talk with the Palestinian leadership in London recently, and he told them that Trump will not remain in office long. Also, he told the Palestinians not to work with Trump. This from the Daily Caller. John Kerry, former Secretary of State, is working hard to back-channel and insult the Trump administration to Palestinian leaders. He said that Kerry has also hinted that he may run for president in 2020, 
against Trump, saying he's not much older than him. But the key concerns of what Kerry said are detailed in a statement that is reported by the Jerusalem Post, basically saying that Trump is not going to be in office long not to work with him or trust him as he is not to be trusted. But Kerry says he can be trusted and they should listen to him. Pretty interesting stuff that we still see Obama administration officials around the world trying to subvert the president's agenda. And this is nothing new. This is just a a continuation of what these people are doing. They can't accept the fact that Trump is still the president and uh, more successful than they ever imagined he would be. That's true. Compared to what he was up against. Well, you, you said something too about uh, about Mueller coming out with a, a doubling down, mm-hmm. and I, I have to believe. And I, and I was talking about this this morning, this week. Watch this week because he's losing control of the narrative. He's losing control of the story. And if you remember that 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 show, Boston Legal. I don't know how many people ever watched that that series. Uh, one episode, in fact, it just re-aired here recently, uh, the past couple of days, where a uh, uh, somebody was charged with a crime, and uh, Denny Crane from Boston Legal, the, the, the partner, named partner in the firm, played by uh, William Shatner, hired a PR company, and that that whole the, the theme of that whole um, part of the episode was controlling the narrative. And and that's what Mueller's got to regain that I believe. So oh yeah, he's, he's lost he's, it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So and he's going to he's going to regain it with the uh, the memo. Now uh, we've seen the uh, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, the media continuing to hammer away at the legitimacy of this memo before it has even reached the public. But I want to know, as the uh, Sarah Sanders in the White House press conference yesterday said, and as the White House separately again said today. That they are willing to release there they are they said you can release the memo to the public you don't need our approval you don't need to vote on it just release the memo so what who, who said that Joe? Trump in the White House issued a statement saying that they don't that the House Intelligence Committee doesn't need any permission well legally uh, they're allowed to release yeah the memo. and I think that's because this is this and people don't really know this that this is not a, a, a this has never been done before. Okay. I mean, I mean, this you is mean the, territory. Can't the, Trump just declassify? Uh, well, that's, that's why. And release it. Well, the House is going to vote for because it's because right now it's classified. It's in a skiff in, in the Congress, so he's got, they've got to, the House is going to vote on releasing it to the president. And when that happens, Donald Trump just signs off on it. And well, this is what the public, the White House legal team, is saying. The White House does not have to approve the re- release of the currently classified memo assembled within the House of Representatives. We don't have to approve it. They have the right to declassify the document. This, according to uh, White House Hogan Gidley, and he said that we don't have to approve it. They have the right to declassify the document. Legal minds consulted by the executive branch have decided. All right. So, well, it, that, that's good because the sunshine is the best disinfectant, and I think we need to see The entirety of America needs to see that memo, but as you said, and I think it's a very astute, Observation: The blowback is going to be this is a this is a biased memo written by a Republican intelligence or Republican-led House Intelligence uh, Committee. Right, that they're already painting the narrative for that. And Adam Schiff are, and Diane Feinstein are already um, sent the letter to Facebook and, and Twitter CEOs that the push on social media to release the memo is that of Russian bots, which is just complete insanity. 
to think that when you see 63, 65 Congress and Senate members calling for this to be released all out on Twitter, all out on video, and you have uh, the American people sending emails, calling their congressional offices, posting on Twitter, released the memo again yesterday, I don't, I didn't check today, was I, I the number one trend on, I number one trend on Twitter the last few days, but they continue to, to shadow ban it, to knock it off, and to, uh, to try, try to say that it's Russian bots. It's absolutely crazy. And we have seen, you know, I watched part of Shepard Smith today. And he, the first part of right? his, no, I'm not. I wanted to punch him in his ugly face. The first part hey, of no. the Shepard Smith show was to talk about how this was a push by Russian bots and how this, you know, uh, delegitimizes the political debate in our country. And, and uh, according to uh, social media experts, which there are uh, some who say none of this points to Russian bots, that it is all organic uh, content being originated in the United States. But Shepard Smith went on this 15-minute and brought on a guest to talk about how it's all Russia and, and Trump's, you know, this big bad guy and he's crazy and uh, there's nothing. I mean, he was basically doing the left-wing media's job for them. Why even bother to have a CNN when you have a Shepard Smith? He seems to to fit that model perfectly. I don't understand why Fox News still has him. And, and that's why was, Peter Berichalka is such an important asset to the Hagman Report. It was just as bad as Don Lemon last night. And I see there's an article on this. I only watched about the first five minutes when I saw him uh, basically tearing up, accusing Trump of being responsible for violence against the network because somebody was arrested for threatening to shoot up CNN yesterday. He went on to to say that, uh, as this article points out, Don Lemon, noting death threats, death threats issued by a disgruntled teenager targeting CNN, accused Trump of being responsible for creating a climate who where threats to the media could materialize. Nothing about their own fake news, nothing about their own lying and manipulation and attacking constantly of the president and of his supporters and of America and, and freedom in general, just about how Trump's argument of the media being fake news is basically equivalent to soliciting violence against the network. It was uh, pretty pretty uh, disingenuous to watch him you know, attempt to tear up there, but he couldn't actually bring a tear to his eye even though he, his voice was cracking and whatnot. Also, Cecil Richards stepped down from Planned Parenthood today. I'm not sure how much that has made the rounds in the news. I haven't really seen anything of it. She oversaw 3.5 million abortions. Yeah, her uh, the the articles about the legacy that she has left in the wake of uh, in Planned Parenthood's wake is pretty devastating. And who is going to step up and take that leadership role in that organization? We're going to be right back with Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. Don't go anywhere. to the Hagman Report. This segment, we're going to be joined by Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. I'm sure he has a whole lot to say about the uh, biggest scandal in American political history, 
with what has come out from the FBI, the Obama administration's abuse of the uh, surveillance courts and intelligence agencies to surveil and collect information illegally on Donald Trump while trying to subvert his candidacy and legitimacy in his presidency by this Russia collusion uh, narrative that has um, been originated from the Fusion GPS dossier. You know, I, I love listening to Greg Hunter. I, I could just turn him on. He gets worked up. And, and listen to him every day. I, I mean, he is right on point, and it's good show prep, seriously. We also want to welcome Simply Safe. That's Simply Safe. Use promo code Hagman. No, We're going to have just, more on just that. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Right. All right. Right before the break, we uh, well, were waiting for Greg Hunter. We are talking about this really weird story out of Germany that a an allegedly a far-right German nationalist who has been a very outspoken critic of Islam apparently has converted to Islam. I'm not going to go through the whole story. I just don't understand this. He has been uh, quoted by saying that uh, Islam has no place in Germany. It is an ideology that is a serious threat to societal peace and cultural unity. Islam has no place in, in Germany. I think I said that one. But for some reason, this far-right, anti-Islamic yep. German nationalist is now saying he is converted to Islam. So was he brainwashed? Was he paid off? Blink What's twice. going on here? Something's going on. That's not a, a normal story. Yeah, if you're held, if you're being held hostage, you just blink twice or three times. <laughs> yeah. Maybe his family was threatened. Oh, yeah. Well, as Mer- Merkel what? says, the world order, the new world order, her new world multi- multicultural order is under threat due to the isolationism of certain countries. Well, there's absolutely no way that I, I there's I, I can't think of any legitimate reason for any conversion no. even under threat um think about well, that's that. the only reason i could I, maybe if the guy's family's threatened he felt like he had no other option uh, but, i think we're gonna hear more about the story i i can't that is not sitting it's not a, a normal story and but i can see this coming forward we got a thumbs up yet or no okay yeah i, I can see this this making headlines you know in the future where um as we go further down this globalist road regardless of donald trump i, I could see many uh people converting to islam and and uh, well, we've seen it in our own government under the obama administration yeah. from john brennan uh wasn't there there was speculation of a number of other people like john Kerry? i think he was one uh who did convert to islam and it's a very very strange thing it was a i'd call it a phenomenon more like a well, yeah. Uh, what, what's the Stockholm syndrome, where you identify with your yeah your captors, but uh, kind of like a uh, and this is before your time the uh, Patricia Hearst deal. Oh yeah, the original Stockholm syndrome. We uh, talked about a video last week that Paul Joseph Watson did called the mass brainwashing of Germany, where it shows clips of political leaders in Germany saying they want to erase the German culture and want Islam to replace it. This is why it is so important that we uh, continue to follow what is going on there because that agenda is out full in the open. And uh, that was an alarming video showing, I think, the the real goal of this uh, Islamic invasion into the West, at least with hmm. Germany. And it's something uh, very alarming that we got to keep our eyes on. While we're waiting for Greg Hunter, um Again, we said this last segment, Trump stares down Mueller. I'll do it under oath, offering to be interviewed by Mueller under oath. 
other White House officials are saying they don't agree with this, uh, labeling Mueller a pit bull who is not to be trusted. They're just saying he's setting yeah, himself up his, for failure. Yeah, look at his relationship with uh, Comey, and, and look what Comey has done uh, with respect to Richmond, his friend, his professor friend. Look, I, so I, this is I, he's getting bad legal advice, or or he's being, or I, this. Is a I think I understand. Uh, either he's he's bluffing right now when he's saying this, or he truly believes he since he did nothing wrong, he has nothing to hide. Which, if that is the case. You still don't go into this like he is saying he is willing to do. No. Or he has some other, well, something else going on. Which, you know, I certainly wouldn't second guess his, uh, his legal strategy, but I just, I feel that, uh, well, based be, on the evidence, so will, will the Mueller even be, will even get that far? Right, right. I'm with just what's wondering. coming out. Maybe he knows something we don't about what is about to drop as it seems like every piece of information that comes out from the Mueller probe from the uh, news about the FBI and the Strauch and the the secret societies. Every piece of information we get makes the FBI look worse and, to and the point where they have no. There, there was a Rasmussen poll: fifty percent of America wants a special prosecutor to investigate the corruption in the FBI. It wasn't about Andrew McCabe or or one agent or uh, you know a few agents. Right. The whole of the FBI, and unless, as we said yesterday, they have a very public house cleaning they're never going to have the trust of the american people ever again and until they clean house right and i think that that's necessary and i'll, I'll tell you something what i see taking place joe is in 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 the near term is some very once that memo is released i do feel that that the public those who uh have their eyes open i think i think it's going to be a game changer, because uh, and, and more is going to be coming out with the text. And, and I, again, I, I hope so. Um, the communications, I, because I do believe that the Office of the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, has got the text. I believe that this is a kind of a uh, at, at the very least, and I believe that the texts were already, the communications were already. Um, Secured before that was leaked out that they're they're gone and I think that I agree with Dan Bongino in this in, in this regard that it this is this is all a um, you know I don't look at everything as as being like a a chess game but I think this maneuver solely was a maneuver to to flush out the leakers and uh, again I cite Dan Bongino because he he cited a couple of instances where the very same thing remember the story with Brian Ross. The, mm-hmm. uh, the okay. fake story, right? About uh, Flynn going to testify right. against Trump. I, I think I think that, and he named a couple of other ones, and this kind of falls into that same template. And if you look at the strategy, it looks kind of like the same. So that's just my view uh, with respect to. Well, we'll see. As I said, the uh, the mainstream networks. Uh, this from Newsbuster, CBS, and NBC quick to dismiss missing FBI text. ABC is still ignoring. The story and CNN uh, did a few pieces on it today, and all they said about it was, "This is some. This is the missing texts are a conspiracy theory in order to undermine the Mueller investigation and the legitimacy of the Mueller investigation, which is what you'd expect them to say." But kind of switching gears here, I want to talk about immigration a little bit because we're going to have Michael Cutler on in the next hour. Uh, There is a battle brewing between the Justice Department and sanctuary cities and leaders of those sanctuary cities. We have um, a number of stories today. Democrat mayors boycott meeting with Trump because the Department of Justice has threatened sanctuary cities. And leading the boycott is who? De Blasio. De Blasio. Yeah. But what did the Department of Justice say? 
and this is uh, something that we can get into when we bring Michael Cutler on, because we have our guest with us, Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. He's the man. How are you guys Greg, doing? Fantastic. How are you doing, Greg? Thank, thanks for joining us, by the way. I, listen, the, uh, I can't believe, I used to work at CNN. And I can't believe they're, they're coming up and making up fake news, saying that this is a conspiracy theory. Are you kidding me? So all these congressional, these congressmen talking about this uh, on television and on the House floor, Joe DeGeneva, Joe DeVette, I guess he's a conspiracy theorist too, the famed federal prosecutor, Joe DeGeneva. In Russian bots. The, yeah. the Russian huh? bots. Russian bots also. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm stunned. I mean, just so you know, I, I, I was an investigative correspondent at ABC and CNN. I got a great Brian Ross story to tell you. I got a great Brian Ross story. To, you'll love this. But I want to I tell you, they want you to think that the reporters willy-nilly run out of the TV station, uh, run out of the headquarters. They do whatever they want. They write it and edit it, and then and then as they're walking past the control room, they look at their boss, and they say, you're going to love what I got on. It concerns the President of the United States. You'll love it. Like that would ever happen. You exactly. realize that all I did was pitch as an investigative reporter. I didn't even get a plane ticket, a hotel room. We didn't roll an inch of tape. Until or, or now a nanosecond of video uh, until I wrote up a complete and total write-up of who the victims were, uh, who was going to talk, what do you think they're going to say? Not that I would give people questions, but I would call them on the phone. What are you willing to say on, on you know, this will be part of my pitch. I'm willing to say such and such. You'll say that on camera. Yes, I will. Um, oh, okay. I put that into my pitch. All I did was, was pitch stories. I can't imagine... Not pitching a story like this and somebody telling me that it's fake news. I would go to the mat on that. I did a thing on depleted uranium, and the, and Jamie McIntyre and Barbara Starr uh, told my bosses it was fake news. And I, well, let's go to war. Here's the script. Tell me what you think is fake. Luke. Luke. <laughs> uh, Luke. Exactly. Uh, it's still it's on my website, depleted uranium emissions. I mean. You know, I mean, I went to the Pentagon. I, I confronted the guys, at the, the generals at the Pentagon. Here I am, I'm a dope with a general studies degree, and I'm, 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 I'm confronting a guy with a Ph.D. And I'm talking <laughs> about, yeah, I mean, people don't realize the depleted uranium. I mean, they knew all this, all that, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But, I mean, it fires at 4,000 degrees centigrade. You see that little Bradley fighting vehicle with that little bitty gun on it? What the kid is that? With the depleted uranium around, it'll go right through both sides of a T-72 tank and aspirate everybody inside the tank as it passes through. Oh, so, wow. Anyway, but, I, but this thing is, uh, this thing, uh, this, uh, let me tell you, this thing with, uh, you can look at the, at the story, it's, te it's terrible, it's, it's terrible. Okay. And a lot of people got sick from it, they didn't warn them, it was horrible. It really is horrible. It'll go through a foot of metal, depleted uranium munitions. But I digress. I did get that on CNN, because they buried it at midnight one night on Anderson Cooper's show, they wouldn't let C International run it, but I digress. They paid me to do real stories. They paid me to do real stories. I, I, this is this makes Watergate, and I kid you not, this makes Watergate look like a squirt gun fight. I mean, you know, Woodward is still over at uh, the Washington Post. Give back your Pulitzer. Amen. 
This, this is not, this is like a squirt gun fight, and I'll tell you why. There was never, not a single, not a, not a, a, a bit of national security exposure with Watergate. And there was not any, any money changing hands. Right. And when Nixon said, I'm not a crook, you know what? He wasn't. He was paranoid. They should have fessed up immediately to what they did because he didn't want to get screwed over like he did in 1960 with Kennedy. He didn't want that again. That's why he was paranoid. Right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you got you got a secret society, whistle insiders, saying there's a secret society meeting the day after Trump is elected. You got Strzok, who was the lead investigator, writing his paramour, whatever. Uh, saying, yeah, we, we, I'm really concerned about being on. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, being on. I mean, we know there's nothing there. <laughs> I mean, this is the lead investigator. What? You can't make this up. And the well, press uh, is not covering it? Uh, how, how long can they not cover it, Greg? Uh, that, that's the question, though. The one question I was dying to ask you all day. How long can they just avoid covering this? I guess when they start seeing people in cuffs, maybe they'll try, this is a hologram and a conspiracy. It's not really real. What you're saying isn't really real. But, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Mark Taylor wrote the book, The Trump Prophecies. Yep. And that day, have you had him on? Uh, no, we have his book here in the studio. We just have, haven't had the... Uh, <laughs> Lots of requests. Let me, yeah. let me tell you something, man. Uh, I've had, I'm going to have him on again for this weekend. I'm not, I'm not sh- same shamelessly plugging my stuff. But I remember the first time he said on my ear, you know, there's going to be military tribunals. I say, what? Excuse me? And he said, yeah, you know, this is the first time I'm saying this. I said at the day Trump was elected, he was on with Rick Wiles at True News. And he says, I'll send you the video. I'll send you the tape. I'll send you, or the, I'll send you the, the radio thing. And I'll, sure enough, he says, you know, I keep getting, this is Mark Taylor, uh, this is the day that, the day after Trump was elected, the day, the night he was elected, the day after, I mean, that time frame, one or a 24 hour period. And he says, I keep getting military tribunals. What? He was on with me and he says, you know, I think they're going to be military tribunals. Say what? Military tribunals? You, you look at this, this now inside whistleblower that's confirmed that there was a secret society, secret society, their words, meeting, and at the FBI and the DOJ. This is huge at the DOJ. I mean, tell me what part of the story where Hillary Clinton, who takes over, I could, if I wrote this, if I wrote this story, you would think it was the biggest piece of fantasy. Hillary Clinton knows the DNC is broke. She buys uh, out the control of the DNC for $20 million. She pays for a fake, fake information and dossier to slam her opponent, Donald Trump. The FBI is involved. The DOJ is involved. I think the FBI may be paying some of the expenses. The guy investigating that they get for a special counsel is the guy that let the Uranium One deal go through because he had somebody undercover for, what, six years and paid $200,000 reportedly in expenses? I'm talking about Robert Mueller. All these people, you gotta, you got to say, what is the motivation? That's right. I mean, Greg, I wanna, just, go ahead. I, I just want to ask you this, because this just crossed my desk. And this is about the, the FISA memo that, that Devin Nunez has put together. Apparently, Jeff Sessions has come out and said that uh, the accusations in this FISA memo are unfounded, and it would be a danger to national security if it's released before the FBI Sessions? review. Yes. Okay. Before That's the FBI the reviews it. Say. That's right. Oh, I know. But this is what ABC is reporting from a statement released by the Justice Department. As the headline on Gateway Pundit, DOJ moves to protect deep state again. 
This is amazing. I believe he's moving to protect deep state again because I think they are circling the wagons. And now you're going to get into a situation where he may not get fired for recusing himself. He may get fired for not doing anything about what, what is obviously a plan. Did you hear Joe De- DeGeneva? Did you hear oh, yeah, yeah. take down? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, 31 this minutes. isn't just some yep. fairy tale. This is a former top-notch, renowned uh, federal prosecutor saying that they basically they made they made it up. Then it was a phony investigation. I'm surprised even Trump is even bothering to to uh, interview with him. I mean, this is a this is an investigation that was started with with a phony dossier that was taken to the Pfizer court to get warrants to spy on everyone. It's deeper than that. This is ab- right. absolutely outrageous. And all I think what the motivation is, I think they're all up to their ass and taking money. My personal opinion. What's the motivation? That's my, oh, just because you're a Democrat? Oh, no, 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 no. What's the motivation? And I want to come back to the Clinton Fraud Foundation. I mean, Hillary Clinton had privates. This is my take on this. Hillary, I'm going to sum it up really simple. Hillary Clinton had private servers, that's multiple, uh, to hide the fact she was taking treasonous bribes, uranium one, uh, in the form of donations, uranium one, through a global charity fraud, Clinton Foundation. I mean, they there collected, is. what, $4 billion for Haiti? This is just Haiti. And nobody said anything about it. I That's mean, right. Excuse me. They, you know, they, they sent a, a, a female lawmaker, a what was her name, to jail. I had this on. I can't remember her name. For $800,000 in fraud. Oh, the, the, the one from Florida. Years. Yeah, the one from yeah, Florida. One from Florida. Yeah. Yep. And what's different about Hillary Clinton and uh, Charles Hurtel? Who I've had on a couple of times, I don't know if you guys have had him on. Oh, yeah. Brilliant guy. He does, yeah. He says it could be billions. It's two billion on paper. It's four, they collected four billion in Haiti, and, the, and officials down there are saying that we got less than five percent of it. We got hardly any, any of the money. We didn't get all the money. The people in Haiti hate them. That's another story that the, that the mainstream media won't cover. All the protests that were up at, uh, you know, Bill Clinton's office from Haitians saying, you screwed us. Where's our money? That's right. I mean, yep. and what's absolutely stunning is the propaganda media. I mean, you know, yep. here you have the USA Today hasn't covered a bit of this, a lick of it. Oh, they have, oh, Mueller wants to uh, talk with uh, Trump. How would, why would he even talk with him, a Mr. Phony, and running a Mr. Phony investigation? You mean Mueller didn't uh, ask, hey, how do we get the warrants? How do we get that? And, and, how do we, and, and, oh, we use the right. phony Pfizer? I mean, wouldn't know that his whole investigation is based on phony, uh, in, uh, a phony, uh, uh, a piece of inte- quote unquote intelligence dossier, uh, basically opposition research paid for by Hillary Clinton. He wouldn't know his investigation is opposition research paid for by Hillary Clinton. He wouldn't know that. <laughs> That's too stupid to be stupid. <laughs> Perfectly well said. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned multiple servers by uh, servers by Hillary Clinton. A lot of people don't know that, obviously. Well, the, the media's not reporting that, but but, but you're exactly right. And the uh, energy... hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's please bring up that uh, Barack Obama, which is another uh, little fact. How this is not a story in the press, I don't know. Had his own email address and not a government email address, conversing with uh, Hillary Clinton. It was reported many times. And, and Andrew story? McCarthy, yeah, Andrew McCarthy just wrote about that uh, what two days ago, uh, where there's at least twenty I, I, exchanges. I wrote it months ago. Yeah, I, I know you did. In fact, uh, 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 Greg, plug your uh, plug your website in your in your uh, uh, broadcast. That's uh, okay. Let's just keep talking. You want to say what? Right, so, yes, that's fine. I, right. I, well, I did have uh, Kevin um, Ship on. I always want to plug it is because I want people to get the information. Uh, Kevin Ship on. You know, let, let, let me tell you how big that this is. Something that's that's not talked about. And let's back up. E, 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 to the memo 
on the 21st of December? Anybody, you know, you had Steve Mnuchin last week in front of all these dopey reporters, and now you know why they get hired. Wait a minute, let me get this straight now. You guys are sitting in a room with the Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, and not one of you said, hey, uh, Secretary Mnuchin, your, your department is named in this memo on the 21st of December about uh, human trafficking and corruption? Uh, what is your role in that? Are you going to be confiscating property? Isn't that a fair question? That's a fair question for Sarah Sanders, isn't it? I would say. It's on WhiteHouse.gov, please. That's not a conspiracy theory. It's on WhiteHouse.gov. And what Kevin Shipp so aptly pointed out was he says, listen, it was brilliant what he said when he called it a... Also, there was another thing in it. It was a national emergency. An emergency and was afraid of the people involved in human trafficking and corruption. And the corruption's a big area, isn't it? Corruption, you know, like for government contracts, they name it. You know, like for taking bribes. Ooh, Clintons, hello. Uh, <laughs> hey, Chelsea, you're not a cute little 14-year-old anymore. You ran a global charity fraud. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, but nobody asked a question about that. You're kidding me, right? You're well, kidding me. This is on Whitehouse.gov. I mean, was that just a joke? Nobody's going to. This is a lie by omission, and this is the even bigger story. Because here I'm talking to Lisa Lyons last night from Coast to Coast AM, and I'm telling her about this memo. I said, it's, "I sent you a link. It's on Whitehouse.gov. It's legit." Mm-hmm. Did you know about it? No. Did you know about this? You know what Kevin Shipp calls this on WhiteHouse.gov? And they list 13 people in the annex. And, of course, I have trolls that come on my say, it's only 13 people. Really? Only 13 people can take down the financial system? That's what the memo says, that he was afraid of the of them just, you know, taking down the financial system, basically, I'm paraphrasing. But right. what it really is, it goes along with the legislation. Ship said that's already been passed domestically. Everybody voted on it, right? Oh yeah, I got to vote, you know, for you know anti-human trafficking. Yeah. Then he says he does this memo. Now we have inside and outside the country, and he's going to go after assets. He's going to block assets. Well, he's declared war on the uh, on the deep state. And anybody that is complicit in this, anybody that gives bribes, anybody that gives money, really, like the Clinton Foundation, why do you think Australia is trying to get their, what, $80 million back? Then you That's have Kevin right. Trudeau, that dope, he gave him, gave the Clinton Foundation, which I don't even know if it's even in business now, another $20, 30000000 million. What is that for? Good point. I mean, this is, you can't make this up. I mean, I'm just, I'm leaving stuff out. Thank you. This is, they're going to have military tribunals. I mean, this, Kevin Shipp said that this memo, let me go back to the whitehouse.gov memo about human trafficking, okay? He said that this was the biggest mili- the biggest law enforcement action in the history of America. Mm. Now, let that sink in. He says, you know why? Because it's inside and outside the country. He only named these 13 people in Atlanta. That's not all of them. That's just 13 people he named. Right. And that annex, and people, people are, are are not realizing that extends beyond the annex. Uh, oh, well beyond. Right, right. Well yeah. beyond. That, sure that, that's that's going to leave a mark. I mean, obviously, it's it's going to leave a mark. And I think that that was a um, a piece of uh, yeah. People really need to understand the ramifications from that. Or wow, okay. I mean, he's going to cut off their money. Right. I mean, he's basically said, I'm going to cut your money. He's going to Davos. Oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I wonder <laughs> if he's going to stone cold threaten the crap out of people there. Oh. I really wonder. I wonder if he's going to say, hey, listen, I'm telling you. And I've got it from good sources that Donald Trump, they've got a candidate Donald Trump. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. Mm. That ain't going to happen. 
Compared to, uh, uh, I don't, uh, listen, I don't like Kennedy, but compared to uh, uh, Donald Trump, Kennedy is an amateur. He knows full well what he was getting into. Kennedy did not. That, that's a good point that you brought Kennedy up. Kennedy was figuring yep. it out. Trump yep. had already figured Where was Trump? New York. Remember how he said, oh, yeah, I've dealt with both parties. You don't think he knows all kinds of stuff that he'll never talk about? Why do you think he said Oprah would never run? That, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a little point that he just said, Oprah's never going to run. I know her too well. She's never going to run. That was a threat, you know. You know that, right? I know it now. Uh, uh, Oprah's never going to run. Uh, I know her too well. Oh, right across okay. the bow. Boom! Hello. I'm going to release stuff on you. I love it. Don't you think? I, I, it, it lines up, yeah. Listen, if you take a look at who was helping Trump... And it's really kind of this, because I asked Kevin Ship to to tell me about this. He said, how many times he said, I love the military. How many times he said that? Well. How many times he said that? 100? 200? 500? Yeah, countless. Yeah. Was the first thing he, he's trying to fix the VA? You know that uh, that very few people ever, uh, Marines, would ever, uh, uh, would ever um, volunteer to protect the White House? You know he's had hundreds of thousands of Marines wanting to sign up to protect the White House? That's yeah. That, so when Donald Trump said that this is a national emergency, here's the here's the big big turn with all that, and that was that allows him to use the military. What are the, what's the oath those guys uh, swear? All enemies, foreign and what? Domestic. And domestic. Yep. Oh, you mean you mean Comey Comey whatever Positatus or whatever it is? You mean oh you mean that that voids that. And, and I just want to read this to you just so you understand how big this is the stuff that's not been talked about. And, you know, a lot of people have this QAnon and, and Mega Anon, and I had Dave Janda on to talk about his sources, not reading the Internet, his sources. He's got some good sources that say, yes, a lot of that is true. Uh, but, um, you know, this, this, this is just part of the memo that you, that the executive order. Uh, therefore, I determined that serious human rights abuse and corruption, not, not that, that's, that just means corruption with human rights. Corruption, period. Just corruption. You mean like taking bribes? You mean like a global charity fraud? Uh, you mean that kind of stuff? You mean like expropriating Uranium One and, and taking the yellow cake out of the country? You mean stuff like that? That mm. therefore I determined serious human rights abuse and corruption around the world constitute an unusual and extraordinary threat to national security, foreign policy, and the economy of the United States. I hereby declare a national emergency to deal with that threat. Hello, White House Press Corps, you're idiots. <laughs> or your propagandists. You're not going to talk about that? That's on whitehouse.gov. Excuse me. Excuse me, uh, uh, Secretary Mnuchin. Could you please talk about that? What's your role in this? Are you going to be actually blocking assets? Who runs the Exchange Stabilization Fund? Ooh. Treasury. Who runs Ooh. the SWIFT system? Huh? Who runs oh. that? Oops. Yep. Steve Mnuchin. The, okay. Okay, and thanks for bringing this out and painting it in that light. Okay, this uh, okay. I mean, wow. he was in front of all these dopey reporters, and one of I heard one of the reporters. I'm watching the, the reporters. One, unlike I'm watching the actions of Mnuchin, who's a pretty smooth character. But I'm watching the reporters. And I'm thinking, are these? Do they hire the dumbest damn people in there? The most corrupted, most biased douche weasels that they can find. <laughs> I think they do. 
And if I was running they CNN, do. I would have fired Jim Acosta the first time he pulled that junk on the president-elect Trump about the dossier where Michael Cohen's name, who was his top attorney, oh, that's the wrong Michael Cohen. I'd have walked in my boss's office and said, I'm done. That's a mix that's too big to miss. That, that, we're done. This is no good. If you can't get that right, that, he, that Michael Cohen was colluding with Russians, oh, yeah, it's a wrong Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Good points all, yes. I would oh, be dumb. And, and, and here's another one for you. Here's another one. I'm looking at this. I'm watching this. I, I could never use, grasp this, folks. Remember now, reporters didn't just go out willy-nilly. I, I could never use an anonymous source. Oh, you can use it, but you need two backups. Okay, so basically you're just telling me that I can use an anonymous source to run a, to chase down a, a thing, but I have to still have back it up twice with two, uh, two excellent sources, not Wikipedia. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All right. All right. So here I am. Who are the, who are the guys that broke the Comey memo? Was it New York, New York Times? Uh, good, uh, I don't recall. Yeah, or was it Washington, but one of the two. Ooh, I, now, imagine yeah. me walking into my boss's office as an investigative reporter and say, "Hey, boss, I'm gonna I'm gonna cream the president. I think it could be a structure to the president of the United States. Really? Who's your source? I can't tell you. I can't use it. anonymous. But I got a document. Really? Let's see it. They're gonna read it to me on the phone. Oh, green light." Now, can you imagine how stupid that is? Now, let's substitute President of the United States for President of Ford Motor Company. Hey, boss, I'm going to screw the President of the Ford Motor Company. All their cars catch on fire, their airbags are bad, or President General. Just put in one of those presidents, okay? Uh, who's your source? They're anonymous. But I got, a, I, got a, I got a memo. You do? Where is it? They're going to read it to me. Get out of my office. Are you an idiot? Are you okay? Get out of my office. But for the President of the United States, that's a green light. Do you know that that memo has never been seen? <laughs> okay. And this is how stupid this is. Are you getting this? This is how stupid this is. I could never do that. I was listen, there was a there were three pillars at just at CNN now. Just at CNN. Now think about this now. Three pillars. You had legal. And let me tell you something. Every time before you rolled a nanosecond of video, you you're gonna do what? I'm going to do X. Okay. So they wanted to know. They didn't want to get a phone call. I mean, so-and-so just took a flight and they just took a crew. No, no, it all had to be budgeted. It was like shooting a small movie. So there was legal. There were standards and practices. You know, do we really need to use the CNN fly swatter to, you know, get a bum that's stealing a glass of lemonade? No. <laughs> okay? That's what the standard practice. Legal is, can we, is it, can we get sued for this? And if we do, it, can you back it up? Okay, and then there's the journalism review. So three pillars, a big, huge three pillars. They can't be doing that anymore. You know, they put this thing with the president's uh, sons with the email on the fourth, and then they go out and they oh, no, it's the fourteenth. <laughs> I mean, nobody said, let's see the email. Right. Let's see the email. If I was the boss, let's see where's the email. Well, I don't we're, have it. well you're an idiot. Then you'll get out of my office. <laughs> you're not doing this. Don't you? Don't you dare talk about this. If you're in a live shot and you bring this up, I'm going to fire your ass. You better have this nailed down, what I would say, right? I was so careful. Dude, I was careful. I mean, you think I got that? that I had to send my script to Jamie McIntyre and Barbara Starr about the depleted uranium. They said, oh, well, the Pentagon says it's junk size. Really? Let's go to war. Here's my script. Let's go point by point. Things have changed a little had, bit, haven't they? 
I had video from the Army testing out depleted uranium ammunitions on T-72 tanks where you could see it hit the tank on one side and, and, uh, and the round would kick up dust on the other side, go right through the tank. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, oh, but wow. that's the, the big story is how they're, this is propaganda, folks. Come on. This is not journalism. If it was journalism, that you would, they wouldn't be doing this. They wouldn't be doing it. They would not be doing it this way. If it was journalism, what they would be trying to do, and this isn't rocket science, you're going to be fair. First thing, we're going to be fair. Do you know in my office, I would never, I had an intern. We're going to get some, No, we're not. We're not going to get anybody. They're going to get themselves. We're going to put it on TV if the public needs to know about it. That's what we're going to do. We get no one. They get themselves. And uh, what these people are engaging in is, and with management's blessing, you know, this crap from the uh, Washington Post, democracy dies in the dark. Yeah, it also dies with propaganda, too, you weasels. You know, what the New York Times, without fear or favor. Yeah, our propaganda is going to keep going without fear or favor. We do stories with anonymous sources and documents read to us on the phone. <laughs> I'm sorry, Think man. You, you, you got us rolling on the floor, man. You are 100% on point. We, we, we love you. Greg, we, we're going to have to cut you loose in about 30 seconds. Okay. In, clo- in closing, in, 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 I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you could top that, uh, what you just did. This is the it, biggest. Listen, what's going on in Washington is the biggest political scandal in the history of the nation, period, the end. That's this right. makes Watergate look like a squirt gun fight. Please, please, Woodward and Bernstein, if you're not investigating this, especially you, Woodward, who had 20 people trying to dig up dirt on Donald Trump, you should give back your Pulitzer. If you don't understand how big of a story this is, you're an idiot or you're a corrupt propagandist. Take your pick. Amen, brother. Greg Hunter, thank you so very much for your gift of time, and it was a gift indeed. You, you, you are the Peace man. Love. All right, brother. Talk to you. Bye. Oh man, I'll tell you what. It, you know, you know, it's uh, we just you just let them go. You just have to stand back because there's nothing you can say that is, Joe. I mean, there's nothing you could add. Uh, I mean, I was I was laughing because he is so right on point, isn't he? I mean, my yeah. goodness. And again, as we said before, it is the biggest scandal it, it, in American political history, and, and, and hopefully, it all comes out in the light. And even uh, and Jeff Sessions, what an idiot! Uh, that that's a bona fide story where yep. he's, he where he is saying that memo is Natasha Bertrand on ABC News reported saying that the release of the memo without review by the DOJ FBI would be extraordinarily reckless says the memo purports to be based on classified source material that neither you nor most of the committees have seen and even went so far as to say that any claims of wrongdoing about the FBI are unsubstantiated uh, you know I'm, I'm sorry but I, I really think Donald Trump needs a fire session yeah. I think he needs to go right down the list right down the line and fire Ray Christopher Ray no Look, Christopher Ray is going to write all the wrongs yeah. in the FBI and that's why he's there and you hear Sarah Sanders say that today and I don't know. They said the same thing yeah, about Comey, so yeah. you can't really tell. I, I, look, but but Greg but Greg Hunter did mention some good. Uh, yeah, that that uh, that executive order uh, letter to Congress from December twenty twenty first, whatever it was about uh, the um, human trafficking. I think I think there's a lot going on in the background. So so perhaps this isn't maybe front and center. But but my goodness, for Jeff Sessions to say that, folks. Uh, uh, but you know what? I mean, think of the Saturday Night Massacre if you lived during the Watergate time. If you if you followed that, think of how that 
Remember the optics of that in how that came back to, to bite Nixon in the butt right now. Uh, and that was not for cause. Uh, well, this, he should just fire Sessions. He should yeah. fire the, the lot. That's my view. Uh, be, before we bring on our guest, I just want to welcome simplysafe.com. Folks, go to Hagman Report. Dot com. And on the right-hand side, you're going to see the link directly to Simply Safe. And, and I just am so excited that they're on board with us. I'm so happy that uh, they are with us. Exciting news. Now, Simply Safe is a company that we've worked for, worked with, I should say, for a while. It's a company that's been around for just a, a lot of years. They've transformed into the fastest growing home security company in the nation. Do you know that right now they protect over 2 million people? Well, they just released their brand new home security system, the all new Simply Safe. And let me tell you, we use this in my home. Eric the Tech and Jackie use it in their home. This is the great, in my view, this is the greatest security system on the planet. This system has been completely rebuilt and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages, downed Wi-Fi, cut landlines, bats, hammers, you name it, everything in between. The all-new SimpliSafe was redesigned to be practically invisible with powerful sensors, so small you'll hardly notice them. You know who will? Intruders. Simply Safe spent years building the system. They have added so much, but you will still get the same fair and honest price. Uh, 24-7 protection for only $15 a month. This is unbelievably... Uh, no contract either. It's smaller, faster, and stronger than anything they've built before. Folks, supply is limited. Now, here's what you need to do. You visit simplysafe.com slash Hagman now to order. That's Safe dot com slash hagman one more time simplysafe.com slash hagman to protect your home your family this is our uh, look this is the only system i will i will ever use and i mean that and for those people who wonder gee do you use it here's a camera that i took from my office we have these cameras in fact in in our home in our offices they have a camera system where you can actually keep tabs on what's going on while you're away. And uh, somebody breaks in, it's it's on it's on video. But $15 a month, no contracts, 2 million homes covered. We're just so excited. And, and you know, we stand behind. I, I stand behind Simply Safe. I really do. Um, and I want to thank them for allowing us to talk about them. Uh, thank you so very much. Simply Safe. That's simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Simplysafe.com slash Hagman. And again, um, help us, help us out. Support our sponsors. I cannot think of a better investment than protecting your family. And by, and by the way, their, their monitoring system. I am so amazed. I, I got a call, uh, our power went out and it was, they, they couldn't, they, they couldn't sync up the system. And I, the monitoring system called and said, "Hey, what's you know what's uh, going on here? Can, can we test your system?" And I said, "Sure." I didn't even I didn't even realize there was an issue. And they called. And another time, I accidentally set off the alarm. Yeah, I know. And I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't get to the. Uh, I mean, it was the, the phone call from the alarm, the monitoring company. It was right. It, it was like within seconds. I could talk about Simply Safe all day long. I really could because I like them that much. 
simplysafe.com forward slash Hagman. Go to HagmanReport.com and click on the link. Support our sponsors, but more importantly, keep you and your family safe. Simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. We have our, our guest with us, Michael Cutler, whose website is michaelcutler.net. He was a, an, a law enforcement government agent for over 30 years, most of the time with the INS, and he has come on to talk about uh, this whole immigration debate and, and really drama that has been unfolding in our country. The latest piece up on his website, DACA, Trump and Congress must look before they leap. 800,000 DACA aliens just became 3.6 million. Mr. Cutler, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a privilege to join you. That's actually the front page magazine website. Oh. Uh, and I did spend 30 years with the INS, but half the time I was with the Drug Task Force. I was the first INS agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. Then I was promoted to senior special agent assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So I had desks, <coughs> pardon me, at the FBI, DEA, ATF. I worked with foreign governments. I also worked with local and state police departments. And so let's just quickly begin with that point. One of the big lies that we're hearing, and everything about immigration that you've been hearing in the media is a lie. Number one, this isn't a left-right issue. Full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. I think the wheels came off their wagon quite some time ago. But this is not left-right. It's right-wrong. As a part of the Drug Task Force, and even before I joined the Drug Task Force, I did a lot of work with local law enforcement. One of the big lies that we're hearing is that if local law enforcement works with immigration, the ethnic immigrant community won't come out, won't even report when they're victims of crimes. It would destroy community policing. It's a lie. One of my key responsibilities at DEA Intelligence, and then when I was promoted to senior special agent, was to use my authority as an INS agent to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses within the ethnic immigrant communities. What could be simpler than that? What could be a better example of community policing than that? So this idea that we can't have immigration agents working with the cops, flat-out lie. And if anything, we help the cops by creating informants and by taking criminal prosecutions where the penalties are far more severe. I'll give you an example. An illegal alien in possession of a firearm. Slam-dunk investigation. The person, that alien who gets convicted, is looking at five to ten years in federal jail for possession of a weapon if he's an illegal alien. Why in the world would you not want to bring to bear the leverage that the federal government can provide? Now, let's fast forward to DACA. DACA is actually an attempt by a bunch of members of Congress to do an end run around the whole legislative issue that came along with the DREAM Act. The DREAM Act was a resurrection of comprehensive immigration reform. You know, talk about not taking no for an answer. Congress voted on comprehensive reform. They voted it down. I know you have issues with Senator Jeff Sessions. He's a personal hero of mine. Jeff Sessions wound up quoting me from the floor of the United States Senate back in 07. Uh, I had testified before three House hearings and one Senate hearing about comprehensive immigration reform. It was a terrible idea. It would have legalized unknown millions of illegal aliens without the capacity to conduct interviews or field investigations. And so uh, I looked at that insanity, and I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times, and I called it um, uh, Immigration Bill a no-go. 
and I renamed Comprehensive Immigration Reform. I came to call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. For all the money that has been spent on the war on terror, for all the American lives that have been lost and soldiers gravely wounded fighting this war on terror, and by the way, I have not yet heard the all clear sound, understand that the war is being waged within our borders as well as overseas. We used to hear this nonsense, whether it was Bush or Obama. We're fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. Well, where was the World Trade Center over there? Where is the Pentagon over there? Where is Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where that airliner came down on 9-11? The war is being waged on multiple fronts. We're so fascinated and fixated on keeping terrorists off of airliners, and I agree with it. I sure don't want to have a window seat on a cruise missile if some terrorist hijacks an airliner and tries to fly it into a building. I agree. But we should be at least as concerned with keeping terrorists out of our country in the first place. And if you've been looking, no airplanes have been involved in a whole bunch of terror attacks that we've witnessed, mostly motor vehicles, right? And meanwhile, you've got communities providing driver's licenses to illegal aliens. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. The 9-11 Commission made it clear that not only the 9-11 attacks, but other terror attacks that preceded 9-11 could not possibly have been carried out if the terrorists could not have entered the country. To the 9-11 Commission, border security is national security, and of course it is. And by the way, we don't just have the Mexican border. We're a nation of 50 border states, any state with an international airport, any state that lies along the northern or the southern borders. Any state that has access to America's 95,000 miles of coastline are all border states. So you look at Congress trying to pass comprehensive immigration reform, couldn't get it through. The DREAM Act came along. We're going to help the children, which is a bait-and-switch lie. If it was about the children, the age cutoff should have been no more than age 21. The age cutoff for filing for participation in comprehensive reform was 35. Now, the aliens had to claim that they entered before their 16th birthday, but with no interviews, no field investigations, no entry is created when an alien runs the border. The open borders anarchists, by the way, call that undocumented entry. It's uninspected entry. There's no record of the fact they're here. And why would anybody evade the inspections process at a port of entry? There's only one logical reason. They either don't want to have a record of their entry created, or they know that they belong to one or more categories of aliens who, by law, are not permitted to enter the United States. Unlike what the media will tell you, this has nothing to do with skin color, race, religion, or ethnicity. Grounds for exclusion can be found in Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. You know, what you do in law enforcement is governed by the laws. That's why it's called law enforcement. You're enforcing laws. 1182, among other things, provides the categories of aliens to be excluded. Aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Let's remember Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Aliens who have uh, mental illness, another issue that would have been dealt with at Ellis Island. Aliens who are criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, aliens who have been previously deported, and then we get to aliens who are likely to become a public charge or aliens who, if they're coming on a temporary visa and work, would wind up displacing American workers and or lowering wages and working conditions for Americans. How in the world 
could anybody take issue with those laws? Now, and here's the point. We're spending right now about $14 billion on Customs and Border Protection. For the first four years of my career with the INS, I was an immigration inspector assigned to JFK Airport in New York City. Then I became a special agent in 1975. For those first four years when I worked with Jan Brewer's law firm that defended her and Arizona against that outrageous DOJ lawsuit under the Obama administration over SB 1070, I explained that my four-year tenure as an inspector as the time when I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. What we're asking the government to do is what we as homeowners do. What we do if we live in a high-rise apartment house and they have security or they have a front desk, it's about keeping people out of the building who would pose a threat to the residents. That's all that this is about. And yet, if you listen to the nonsense, if you listen to what happened on Martin Luther King's birthday, the wailing and the screaming, oh, my God, we're supposed to be celebrating civil rights and these poor undocumented immigrants. Think of something. The civil rights movement was designed to right the wrongs of segregation, slavery, and discrimination. Who were the most likely victims of losing their jobs or losing their lives to the criminal element in the tough neighborhoods? It was America's minorities. And one of the ways that the civil rights movement addressed the failings of America to properly take care of American blacks was to provide educational opportunities and employment opportunities. There's a wonderful movie everybody should see. It's called Hidden Figures. My original dream was to be an aerospace engineer. My heroes growing up had nothing to do with athletics. They were the astronauts. I got letters from Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom. I had the privilege of meeting Gene Kranz, Jim Lovell, Dave Scott, Jim McDevitt. These were my heroes. So if you watch that movie, there were a number of black women who were doing the computing for NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, at the beginning of the space program. They were kept in a separate place. They had colored bathrooms. Segregation was god-awful. And they fought to get the education. They fought to get recognition. They fought to become members of management at NASA. And these were brilliant women. They were computer programmers. They had degrees in mathematics and so forth. It was a, a great movie. Everybody should watch it. But when you look at the battles they've waged to get those jobs and to get the recognition and to get decent paychecks, we come along now and say, well, we're going to fire American computer programmers and replace them with people from India. So Americans are losing their jobs. They're losing wages. They're losing opportunities. And we're shipping tens of billions of dollars of American money to India, China, other countries. Their economies are flourishing, and we were taking a hit. Last year, globally, India got the greatest amount of remittances in the world, 65 billion dollars with a B. Not all of it came from America, but globally, according to the World Bank, that's the number one country. China was number two. So all of this is interconnected. And now you have politicians saying, let's take a bunch of illegal aliens and give them equal standing in the labor pool, even as Americans are struggling to get back on their feet, because thank God President Trump was elected, who wants to make America and Americans first. But meanwhile, DACA runs in direct opposition to that. Meanwhile, when you try to say alien, you're still criticized for being a bigot. It's remarkable that the A in DREAM Act is alien, alien minors. It's an acronym. So how in the world do you trust people who, on the one hand, say don't use the word alien, but then they concoct legislation 
that includes the very same word, alien, as a part of the name of the legislation. And then you had Mr. Obama standing in the Rose Garden on uh, June 15, 2012, and he said, Congress has failed to act. Congress didn't fail to act. Congress voted no. And if you look at the Constitution, that's the authority that Congress has. We all studied how a bill becomes a law. Uh, Mr. Obama, the supposed constitutional uh, lawyer, should understand that Congress may certainly vote no. And that's not a failure to act. It's acting judiciously because of a bad bill that was voted down. They tried this a couple of times. And the reason they kept saying it's about the children is to exploit the sympathy that Americans have for kids. And if you remember the speech that Mr. Obama made, he kept saying young people, kids, children, they were brought here against their will. And if you watch mainstream television, nobody says the truth about DACA. They all say, we all want to deal with these kids who were brought here against their wishes or without their consent. Well, you have people that are 35, 36 years of age now, because Obama said 31 is the age. They could now be 35 or 36. All they have to do is claim that they entered the United States before their 16th birthday. There is no way of knowing if they've been living here for 20 years or 20 days. So there's a, a C that should go into DACA, an extra C. D-A-C-A stands for Deferred Action Childhood Arrival. It should be Deferred Action Claimed Childhood Arrival. And then you look around and Dick Durbin and, and his counterpart over in the Republican Party, Lindsey Graham, have said, oh, no, no, this isn't good enough. Anybody who could have qualified should be included. And what Durbin said, if you're as old as 18, but you came, if you came before you were 18, you should be included. But no one is talking about what the cutoff age for that would be. So the figure that, that came up from several groups that tend to be pro-illegal alien groups, in fact, they're not pro-immigrant groups. That's another lie. If you want immigration anarchy, the media will generally refer to you as pro-immigrant. If you support enforcing the laws, you're called anti-immigrant. As an immigration inspector, I had the privilege of admitting new immigrants. I had the privilege of admitting refugees who had been thoroughly vetted. I had the uh, delight, I spent the years in the adjudications officer, approving green cards for aliens who married Americans and resident aliens. And as an agent, there were times I had the opportunity to exonerate aliens who might have been facing deportation. And yes, I certainly helped to deport a lot of very bad people and prosecute lots of people. I arrested a number of terrorists in my career. I arrested people wanted for murder around the world and wanted across the country for murder, rape, child abuse, firearms and drug violations. Absolutely. But that's what the law is. It's balanced. You have the governor of California saying, we're going to protect the immigrants from immigration. You know, when George W. Bush was the president, he used to say, we're going to make the immigrants legal. And I would go on stage when they did speaking events, and they'd have a glass of water with me, and I'd say, you know what? Offering to make immigrants legal is a lot like offering to make this glass of water wet. Water is wet. Immigrants are legal. But the use of language that we're being subjected to, by the way, is not about being politically correct. I'm politically correct. You don't use the N-word or any word that smells of it. It's despicable language. I have a big problem with it. But that's not what this is about. This is about Orwell and Newspeak 
because human beings think in words. When you can alter the words, when you can control the language, you control the thoughts. Uh, I wrote an article to the social contract, and its title was um, The Road to Tyranny is Paved with Language Censorship. When you remove the word alien from the debate and replace it with immigrant, it becomes easy to accuse anybody who would suggest that we keep anybody out as anti-immigrant. Good point. Now, look how insane this is. Supposing I was the editor of a newspaper, and I told you, and you were one of my reporters, and I said, I don't like the word burglar, and I don't like the word trespasser. It just sounds hostile. You're putting up walls around people. That's not nice. Let's call anybody who enters into someone else's building or land a guest. We'll call them all guests. Imagine the headline, Charlie Smith called the police when he found a guest sitting in his living room. Would that make any sense to anybody? But that's what they've done with the immigration debate. We're going to change the language. We're going to obfuscate the issue. Stepping in to the well-known sympathy that Americans have for children, they made it about the kids, but it's not about the kids. If Mr. Obama was really concerned with children, what he should have said is if you're under the age of 21, come to an immigration office with your report card, with your school ID, and with a school transcript, and we'll work with you. And you know what? That probably would have sailed through in five minutes, and no one would have batted an eye. That wasn't his goal. Obama's goal was that of deception. Uh, I, I kind of compare this, this business about border security and politicians, with the magician that cuts the woman in half. Everybody knows that he really doesn't want to cut the woman in half, because if he does, he goes to jail, and they'll never find somebody willing to work with him again. <laughs> Right? So what does he do? He creates an illusion that he's cutting the woman in half, but he knows damn well he better not hurt a hair on her head, uh, because if he hurts the hair on her head, then he's got a problem. Well, the politicians know that most Americans want secure borders, don't want to lose their jobs to a foreign worker, don't want their kids attacked by gang members in schools. And by the way, this isn't just about Latinos. Human nature is human nature. I've arrested criminals from just about every country on this planet from countries in the Middle East, from Asia, from Europe, from Africa, from the Caribbean, from Canada. People are people. This isn't about Latinos. That's another lie that we keep hearing. So what, what they what they want to do is they know that if they actually secure the borders the way their constituents want, the people writing their bribes. I meant to say campaign contributions. Did I say bribes? Well, maybe it is a bribe. Think about it. Okay? So the people that are giving them the bribes maybe won't pay them anymore. They want to be good employees of their briber. And who is their briber? The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, all the religious groups that are seeing a fall off in membership wanting to import new people, corporations that want cheap labor, schools that want foreign students, the hotel and hospitality and travel industries that want more tourists to fill the airplane seats and, and, and the berths on their cruise ships and the hotel rooms and the seats in the baseball parks. In fact, the problem is that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and all of their cronies are far more concerned with head counts on airliners than body counts in the morgue. So we wind up with a situation where these politicians are great illusionists. And so DACA was designed as an illusion. It's about the children. I'd love to know how many adults are going to falsely claim that they came as kids and get away with it 
And then we go to the 9-11 Commission report. Now, this is fascinating because the Commission report said that one of the biggest problems we have is immigration fraud. Aliens who lie on their visa applications, aliens who lie on applications for immigration benefits, whether it's the Tsarnaev brothers who lied about political asylum, whether it's Faisal Shahzad who um, concealed his background, became a U.S. citizen and set off a car bomb uh, in Times Square, whether it's what we saw at San Bernardino with that fiancé on that K-1 petition, whether it's the, the truck driver in New York who came here on chain migration. And what the media does and what the politicians tend to do if someone came on a K-1 visa, then that's what we're going to focus on. If they claim political asylum and set off a bomb, then we're going to look at that. Look at the whole system. And now let's look at another proponent for DACA, the ringleader of ringleaders, my former congressman, but never my representative, Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, I don't know if you folks know this, was the prime architect behind agricultural amnesty during the terrible Reagan amnesty. Reagan gave us a gift that kept on giving. The amnesty of 86 that led to the biggest influx of illegal aliens in the history of the United States. Well, one of the alumni of this agricultural program, and by the way, I met with Schumer back then, and I said, Congressman, why in the world are you concerned about farm workers getting amnesty? Uh, if you look at the map, you don't have a farm in your entire district. He immediately ended my meeting with him, believe it or not, 1985. So he does this program, and along comes a guy by the name of Mahmoud Abu Alima. Gets agricultural amnesty, purportedly that he, purporting that he had worked on a farm in Florida picking beans. In reality, he drove a cab in New York City. Mr. Mahmoud Abu Alima was the ringleader of the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993 that killed six people, injured over a thousand people, and inflicted a half billion dollars in damages to the, to the iconic World Trade Center complex and damn near brought the tower down sideways. Could you imagine what the casualty count could have looked like? So did Mr. Schumer learn the lesson that this amnesty of 86, the agricultural provision for which he bears prime responsibility, facilitated the embedding of a terrorist who killed people in New York City? You see, you would think that somebody is smart enough to figure it out and you don't put your hand back into the same flame twice. But the problem is he's not burning his hand, he's burning our hands. And so when you listen to the lies, this is about the children, and go to any TV show, and that's all you're hearing. Nobody is saying, well, they have to claim they came as children. They're making this a foregone conclusion that this is purely about children. We're being swindled. We're being swindled by the globalists. We're being swindled by people who don't give a damn about American lives or national security. And the way that the Republicans and a couple of Democrats, I'm sorry, the way that the Democrats and a couple of Republicans went about it, there's a word for it that has never been used in the media, but I think it's appropriate. You tell me, guys, extortion. We're going to hold a gun Amen. to your head. We're going to turn off the government. We're going to hurt our soldiers. We're going to hurt our first responders. We're going to make it impossible for the government to do what it needs to do to protect us in a very perilous time. Because we're having a temper tantrum, and just like Tony Soprano, it's my way or the highway. We're either going to legalize 3.6, who knows, 8, 10. You know, Reagan told us a million, we wound up with almost 4 million. No one knows what the numbers are. If this isn't extortion, if this isn't making it clear that everybody who did this, who voted for the shutdown, 
puts the needs and concerns of illegal aliens ahead of lawful immigrants and ahead of United States citizens, then you tell me I'm getting it wrong. I know I went on for quite a bit, and I really appreciate you giving me free reign, but there's so much I wanted to get out there. But tell me if I don't make sense to you. No, you make perfect sense. And, you know, this is why we like to stay out of your way, because you know exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, we certainly didn't want to interrupt your stream of consciousness there. It's important. The only question I have, and at some point, just if you can address this. Sure. I don't understand, and Joe and I were talking about this earlier, how in the world is this California thing going to play out? I mean, you've got the... I, I, I guess the SB, uh, was it 51 or 54, yeah. where the California Attorney General is threatening right. to, um, fine any employers who cooperate with the ICE enforcement and, and raids. And then you have, uh, you see this battle between the DOJ and Sanctuary City and Sanctuary City leaders where they, the, the head of the Department of Homeland Security said that they are considering arresting yeah. the leaders of Sanctuary Cities. And uh, it's just this battle back and forth. And now you have laws on the books where uh, these employers in California are, are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're not allowed to cooperate with ICE unless there are specific warrants, but not cooperating with ICE can be obstruction of justice in certain cases. Yeah, exactly. Yep. If, if, you, if you were a business owner in California, aside from moving, what do you do? And that's kind of, you know, if you can address well, that. And, and they've been put into a bind for trying to be good Americans. Today, being the good American seems to be a dirty word. Look, you would think that the reason for the 9-11 commission, you know, when an airplane crashes, the NTSB comes in and they do this to find out why did the plane crash so we don't crash another airplane. When Shuttle Challenger uh, blew up, they convened uh, a commission to figure out why it blew up. Same thing when, um, my goodness, uh, Columbia broke up over uh, the skies of Texas when they returned from orbit, Shuttle Columbia. The purpose was learn from the mistakes. My dad, may rest in peace, said to me, Mike, he said, there's no mistakes, only lessons if we're willing to learn from what goes wrong. So the 9-11 Commission was supposed to find out what went wrong. And I could read to you chapter and verse. I wish your folks would go to my website, michaelcutler.net, or go to Front Page Mag or The Social Contract. I've done in-depth analysis. In fact, I wrote a major article for The Social Contract uh, immigration fraud, the lies that killed. With all the focus on the Mexican border, we're ignoring the fact that we have admitted terrorists into the country. We've naturalized terrorists. There's something terribly wrong here. So you have cities encouraging aliens to run the border or lie to that inspector at a port of entry because once you come to our city, we'll shield you from those evil immigration agents. And that rhetoric is not without a cost. Assaults on immigration officers are up, I, I think, well, well over 100%, more than double in the past couple of years because of this heated rhetoric. You know, I'm Jewish. My grandmother was killed in the Holocaust by, by the Nazi SOBs. How do you think I feel as an American, as a retired agent that was proud to carry that badge, and as someone who's Jewish? And to hear people equate immigration law enforcement with the Gestapo and the SS. Those agents are doing the best they can to protect Americans. We had a case in New York back in the late 80s. I had physically deported a Panamanian drug dealer, Ronaldo Rayside. This piece of garbage, which is what he was, had been arrested a bunch of times. He had lost his green card. He had his share of the American dream. If he had only been a law-abiding individual, he would have been fine. 
He went out, committed a bunch of violent crimes, drug-related crimes, and he gets deported. I was asked by a judge to put him on an airplane, which I did, affecting his deportation. He came back into the country illegally, which, by the way, now carries a maximum of 20 years in jail. I worked with Senator Aldamato to create that law in the early 80s. Unlawful reentry by criminal aliens now carries a max of 20 years in jail. I got to make the first arrest of a Dominican in New York for that crime back in the 80s. So this guy comes back. The NYPD arrests him twice, but under Ed Koch, and I liked Ed Koch. I thought he was a good mayor. But Koch maintained this policy of sanctuary. He said you can't notify immigration that you've got him. Well, the third time he gets arrested by a cop or a cop tries to arrest him, the police officer's name is Robert Machati. He was 24 years old, part of the Brooklyn South Task Force, part of the NYPD. Uh, I did a lot of work with the, with the Brooklyn South Task Force. And uh, this piece of trash grabs for Officer Machati's gun. There's a gunfight in the middle of Brooklyn, and he kills Officer Machati. I testified at the murder trial. His wife at the time was pregnant. I wound up meeting his daughter by accident 20 years later when I went into a supermarket. It just started to snow. I figured, let me get in, get the few things I need, and get home before the streets become a skating rink. This pretty young girl opened up a line. I zipped into the line with my cart, and I see her wearing a miniature badge, New York City police badge, and I said to her, who's the cop? And we had this conversation, and it suddenly dawned on me that this was Officer Machadi's 20-year-old daughter. I couldn't drive wow. my car. i got to tell you, I sat in my car for a half hour shaking. Yeah, I don't This isn't it. victimless. And when I hear this garbage, by the way, if you want to know who the real racists are, I'll tell you. Anybody, anybody who can talk about Latino voters, we're talking about Americans of Latino ethnicity, and they look at someone and say, well, if his name is Rodriguez, Ramirez, Sanchez, we know everything we need to know about him, and this guy wants lawlessness. He wants open borders and amnesty for aliens, including criminals. By definition, folks, anybody who can take one factor about a person, race, religion, or ethnicity, and make conclusions about what the values and beliefs and goals of that person are, is a racist by definition. All Americans, and I don't care if you're Jewish or Christian, black or white, Latino or Asian ancestry, doesn't matter. We want the military to keep our enemies as far from us as possible. We want law enforcement to keep our streets and our families safe. We want the schools to educate our children, and we want to know that any American, any American, irrespective of what I call superficial factors, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, any American with hard work, the willingness to study, and benefiting from a little bit of good luck can write the next great American success story. How in the world can anyone say that somehow Latino Americans are different? If they're different, you're a racist, because they're no different from any other American. You tell me I'm wrong on that account. Not at all. No, yeah. you make you make great points. I mean, look, if you're a demographer, if you're a pollster, and you want to break people down into categories, you can. Um, I'm retired. My goals and concerns are different from my children who are starting out. People who have a college education have different concerns from the worker who dropped out of high school. People who live in the city have different concerns than folks who live on the farm. People who are millionaires have different concerns from somebody who's earning minimum wage. Those are legitimate demarcation zones and say, well, this group thinks one way, that group thinks the other. 
if you own a business, you're going to see things differently from the union member who goes to work in the morning and punches a time clock. Yep. Those are all reasonable ways of differentiating Americans. But darn it, when you start doing it by race, religion, ethnicity, you're a bigot, you're a racist, and you're divisive. And this is not what America is about. I thought E. Pluribus Union, the guy, the idea that uh, out of many, one, stands in defiance of this notion that we're going to divide people up by, by race, religion, or ethnicity. But hey, how Michael. many times do we hear this garbage in the mainstream hmm. media? And Michael, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I've been noticing is that it seems that with, with the, the, the left and the media and, and all this, you know, coming against the uh, Americans, what the Americans want, coming against Trump mm-hmm. and the Trump agenda, that they are fomenting this, I don't, I don't want to say hatred, but this frustration. It is where, hatred. It, it, okay, it is hatred. And, and it's to the point where, you know, the, uh, on CNN last night, you see them bringing out, you know, these families with little kids saying, why am, why am I going to be deported? And, but I see the anger on the other side because we know the bias that they come from it, the, the angles that they come from it. We know that the left, even in their own documents, say that th- this is not a humanitarian issue. This is a bottom line voter issue. So it, it does get very Absolutely. divisive and people lose the uh, concept of, of humanity when we get into these political debates. But let's, let's, well, you, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just going to say, but we've got to stand up. When people say to me, you know, I did a debate with a professor, and she said to me, your problem, because we were having a discussion, and she told me how great a job Mexico did of working cooperatively with us, and I said, maybe not so much, that her immediate reaction was to say to me, and she was from Peru, this professor. She said, Mr. Cutley, your problem is that your view of the world is Eurocentric. Well, think about what that word means. And I said to her, you're a racist bigot. You mean because my family traces its ancestry to Eastern Europe that somehow I have different values and different world views? I didn't criticize you because you came here from Peru. How in the world can you insult me and criticize me because of my ethnicity and, and my ancestry? And she made the mistake of saying, I'm sorry. I said, sorry about what? If I stepped on your foot by accident and said, I'm sorry, that's reasonable. If I kicked you in the shin and knocked you on your bony rear end and said I was sorry, uh, you would think that I was crazy. So tell me, did those words, those disgusting words, fall out of your mouth by accident? Did you open your mouth a little bit too wide and some words escaped while you weren't paying attention? But you see, she wasn't used to that. For far too long, Americans have acquiesced. I'm not telling you to go out there and punch somebody in the nose. But darn it, don't stand there and apologize or walk away from the fight. When someone insults you, stand your ground and be effective with your words. Speak back. Explain what this is about. Explain that the most likely victims of the violence perpetrated by transnational criminals are the members of the ethnic immigrant community, and not just from Latin America. I've arrested criminal dirtbags from Russia, from the Middle East, from Asia, from the Caribbean, from Europe, from, you know, this is human nature. People are people are people. But when people get away with saying these terrible things and you walk away, the presumption is you're either turning tail and you're running so they know they can intimidate the next person they meet, or everyone believes that you believe with them because you didn't stand up. As a kid growing up in Brooklyn, I learned to stand my ground. Well, darn it, folks. Learn to stand your ground. Make that your New Year's resolution that peacefully, pointedly, rationally, intellectually, 
oppose the lies, the nonsense, and, and the BS that we're being subjected to on a daily basis. How's that for an interesting idea? There you go. And, and I'm dying to ask this question, Mr. Cutler. Go ahead. How would you fix the whole immigration issue? How would you fix what we, where we're at right now? It's it's a mess. And, and you know, the, you, you described perfectly, I believe, the ignorance, and I'm not using that as a demeaning term, but a descriptive right. term, of the American people. Uh, Dream Act, DACA. It's these acronyms are not well understood. And then just a quick update: Trump seems to be flip flopping back and forth. He's now saying Trump backs full citizenship for Dreamers, undercuts own lawyers on DACA. That, according to the Washington okay. Times, but, which adds confusion to the. But, but yeah, but 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 my, my ultimate question is, and, and then feel free, you you have free reign. But my ultimate question is, how would you fix what we're facing? If you look at what's in the administration's executive orders, and they were written primarily by Jeff Sessions, uh, he's right. Interior enforcement is the critical issue. It's not just the Mexican border. But, but I want you to understand something. You're talking about a disastrous immigration system. How many times have you heard the immigration system is broken? Countless. All the time. Countless. Both many sides. Times. Okay. Both sides. I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. It's, it's not broken. It's the most effective system in the entire federal government from the perspective of the open borders anarchists who've been bribing our politicians forever. They want an unlimited supply of foreign workers. Are they getting it? They want an unlimited supply of foreign tourists. Are they getting it? They want an unlimited supply of foreign students. I just read an article in Foreign Policy magazine that we are likely to find ourselves at loggerheads with two countries in the, the near term, China and Russia. If you look at China right now, and there was just another prosecution of yet another case of intellectual property theft by a Chinese organization by the Justice Department, China is building up its military. Where do you think their students are trained? In the United States. Today, as I'm speaking to you, there are 150,000 Chinese students studying the STEM curriculum in the United States, science, technology, engineering, and math. And once foreign students come to America, they are then able to apply for practical training, which means getting a job very often for a company that does military contract work. How many opportunities for espionage do you think that provides? And what China has is a principle known as the thousand grains of sand. They don't tell their people, bring me the plans for the F-22. They'll say to one person, get us the plans for the nose gear assembly. They'll tell someone else, get us the plans for the compressor blades on the jet engine. They'll tell someone else, get us the actuators that move the control surfaces on the airplane, and so forth. So everyone comes home with one little piece, like a big jigsaw puzzle. China puts the puzzle together. We've built our factories in China. Their people work in our factories. Do they have respect for intellectual property rights? Absolutely not. China just turned out a stealth bomber. Beautiful airplane. I was going to be an aerospace engineer. I did a little flying as a kid. That airplane looks like something that could have rolled out of the hangars at the Lockheed Skunk Works. Do you think that's a coincidence? We are educating our enemies so they can make their military as strong as possible. China builds its artificial island in the South China Sea. Trump, of course, unlike Obama, is standing up to him because Trump is a real man. He, he came from Brooklyn, too, or Queens, same difference. But understand why we're in the situation. How do you think North Korea got the technology? From China. So we, with all this talk about nuclear nonproliferation, guess what we've done? 
Now, what's so remarkable is that on February 24th, 1998, the Senate Judiciary Committee had a hearing about foreign terrorists operating in the United States. And a member of the U.S. Senate back in 1998, three and a half years before 9-11, said, you know, we need to rethink what we're doing. Maybe we should end the visa waiver program. Back then it was a pilot program. It only involved a few countries. By the way, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is the reason that we went from 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11 to 38 visa waiver countries now. They should be zero if you look at the 9-11 report. Because the Hotel, Hospitality, Travel, and Manufacturing Associations partnered with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to create something known as the Discover America Partnership. They seem to have forgotten that those countries that discovered America, that have already discovered America or the organizations include drug cartels, ISIS, and America's enemies, you see. But so, but getting back to the point. So here's a senator saying, let's reconsider the visa waiver program. Maybe we should stop giving visas to countries who's, uh, who are involved with terrorism. Sounds something like Trump said. And then she said, and maybe it's really a bad idea to teach citizens of countries that sponsor terrorism nuclear physics or biochemistry. We're potentially teaching terrorists how to create weapons of mass destruction. Guess who that senator was? Dianne Feinstein. There you go. Dianne Feinstein. Hmm. And back then it made rational sense. Where have we gone since then? When the visa waiver program was hammered on every program, and people kept saying we're making it easy for these people to come in, Congress got to work with Obama. They said, we're going to enhance it. Now it's the new and improved visa waiver program. Any alien from a visa waiver country that goes to Syria or any of these other, I think it was five countries, will have to get a visa before coming to the United States. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that a terror trainee who went to Syria is going to walk into a U.S. embassy and say, by the way, I just got back from Syria. Here is my transcript. I'm really great at making IEDs. Can I have a visa to go to the United States? <laughs> How are we going to know if someone went to Syria? The answer is, we won't have any way of knowing. But they make it look good. This is the magician sawing that woman in half, right? And meanwhile, she emerges unscathed. Do you see the game that's being played on us? We're being told that Americans can't do the jobs. We need to import more foreign workers. There's a, a House bill. Oh, it sounds great. We're going to make everything wonderful. They want to bring in tens of thousands of foreign workers, not on H-1B visas, but on green cards. What does that do to American programmers? If we had a shortage of computer programmers, why have hundreds of thousands of American programmers been fired over the last couple of years and replaced with people from India? If you have a shortage of a particular profession, you don't fire those people. This is all fantasy island. It's easy to see what they're doing. You know, here's a quick question, a thought question. How many times do you hear about the people that get swindled? They get an email. Congratulations, you've just won the lottery. You're getting $5 million, but you've got to send us $5,000 and provide us with your name, your date of birth, your social security number, and so forth. And some dummy sends them the check, fills out the form, and, of course, never hears from anyone until his identity gets stolen. Well, what questions should you ask? See, the most important thing we do is ask questions. Voltaire said you judge a man's intelligence by his questions. Well, the first question that would occur to me is, how in the world could I have won a lottery if I didn't buy a ticket? (laughs) The second question, how did they get my email address? And then the third question, why don't they just take the 5000 off of my $5 million and mail me what's left? But by not asking the critical questions, 
people get taken to the cleaners. If this was really about children, DACA, then why is the age cut off 31 or 35? You see? So it's about asking the right questions and thinking through what you're being told. How about that? Very well said. Um, Yeah, wow. Okay. So, I mean, constant lie after lie after lie. We're being, you know, we're being, man, okay. And the the bigger the lie, they double down on the lie. That's right. They create new angles. And that's what the Nazis did. It was the policy of the big lie. Tell a whopper, keep repeating it. And pretty soon people think it's common sense. How many people have said to you, we can't arrest 11 million? Well, it's probably 40 million. We can't arrest 11 million. What do we do with the people we don't arrest? Have you ever heard that argument? Oh, yeah. Hey, I volunteered to drive the bus, but go back. To so, all right. So, so what do you think the answer to that question is? Well, you oh, know, yes, I'm Jewish, and Jews answer questions with another question. So I ask a question. What do the police do with the drunk drivers they don't catch? <laughs> okay. I see what you did But there. do you understand what I'm saying to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. These are all lies, and and they base their nonsense on lies, and after a while, people start to believe it. You know how many people have said that to me? What and do we do with the people one, we don't catch? Another one I heard is if you uh, take all the illegal immigrants out of the country, the uh, uh, the uh we're going to lose billions of dollars in, in tax revenue. That was one I, I heard. And if you look at what the Congressional Budget Office said, Yes, they do pay sales tax and so forth, but if you're a minimum wage employee and if you're working off the books on top of it, how much money do you really think we're, we're getting in revenue? Meanwhile, it costs 20 to 40% more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. So what is the impact on the schools? In New York, there's well over a million people who can't speak, read, or write English. How do I know? Well, there was a study done because there's a company offering to help people who aren't literate in English to help them succeed. Over a million people in New York City, which goes back to the point that New York is as much a border state as is Arizona. New York hits the trifecta. We have the Canadian border, we have seaports, and we have international airports. We have 50 border states, and every state is suffering. And you look at MS-13, you look at the drug trade, 65,000 people died of opiate overdoses last year, many heroin. And yet, when you dare suggest putting up a wall, Mexico should want the wall because, according to a study, 70% of the people who were killed by guns in Mexico, those guns came from the United States. Oh, Mr. Culler, I'm I'm so sorry. We are out of time. I can't believe how fast that time went. Uh, Folks, michaelcutler.net. That's michaelcutler.net. It'll be in the program description for tonight. Thank you you so very much. What a a dose of sanity. Yeah, very good. I try. Man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity doing what the mainstream media won't do. Well, thank you, sir. You, you've, you've just really ed- provided our, the intellectual level of our show just went up a uh, hundredfold. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Thank you. God my bless pleasure. you, my friend. Be Folks, well. You as well. Network break. Stay right where you're at. edition of the Hagman Report. I would. I just want to thank uh, uh, John Robertson, our producer, for putting together just a tremendous program. Greg Hunter, of course. Uh, Michael Cutler. MichaelCutler.net. My, if you didn't, if you didn't catch that hour, 
you've got to listen to that. And Greg Hunter had just had us rolling. Oh, what a great segment with uh, Greg Hunter. And, and of course, now Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism.com. Before we get to Pastor uh, Langford, I just want to just reiterate something I talked about. I want to welcome simplysafe.com into the uh as a sponsor of our program simplysafe.com slash hagman that's simplysafe.com slash hagman if you let me tell you something if you have a family if you have a dog if you if you've got pets or whatever you know they're precious to you and you want to take care of your family you want to take care of those closest to you how do you do that uh, i trust my security needs to simplysafe.com we have it here at the office we have it at the, the studio or here at the studio, I've got my office, I've got my home, simplysafe.com. That's simplysafe.com forward slash Hagman. You know what? You can um, please support our sponsors. And, and think, look around your home. Do you have a security system right now? If you don't, visit simplysafe.com. Or if you do, but it's not simply safe, go to simplysafe.com forward slash Hagman. That's simplysafe.com forward slash forward slash Hagman right now. No contracts, $15 a month, great sponsor. It's a great company, and I've I've worked with them for, uh, I think now, 18 months. They've taken care of our security needs, and it's a fantastic company. Simplysafe.com forward slash Hagman, or go to Hagman Report, and uh, right down in the center there, you'll see the the uh, link to Simply Safe. Very simple, very simple. They're, they're high class. I mean, I'll tell you what. They're the, um, I would not trust anyone else for my security needs. Joe, I'll kick it over to you. We have with us Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism, who joins us each Wednesday in the third hour. Pastor Langford, welcome back to the show. Great to be back with you gentlemen this week, and uh, pray that everyone is being blessed in a great way. Absolutely. We are. We are. And we're even more blessed now that you're with us. <laughs> well, he is the one who blesses all of us. Amen. 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 You know, we if there was ever a time that we could use a some some sanity brought into uh, spiritual sanity brought into our program, it's now. We're, we're just seeing so much going on with, with the headlines, with the corruption, the unanswered corruption, the uh, uncorrected corruption, and, and just every day we get up and man, it's just like a constant bombardment of of, of news and. You know, it's just something to witness. We are living in a time like no other. So we welcome with open arms what you have to say. Well, I'd like to look tonight, if the audience will, to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. But I want to say before we begin, I want to thank the people that are listening that have been fasting. We... Uh, encourage the people, those who could, uh, to begin a fast with us uh, on January the 14th through uh, February the 4th. And we ask those who could fast one day, two day, three day, whatever the case might be. And I just want to thank all those who are participating in this time of prayer, fasting, consecration, because as all of you can very well see, as Doug just alluded, we need divine intervention. And uh, this is kind of what led me uh, tonight to Ephesians 5. And we'll look at the verses one at a time. Verse 16, Paul said, Redeeming the time, 
because the days are evil. And we all are aware, uh, to some degree, uh, how evil our nation has become and is becoming. Paul the Apostle in 2 Timothy 3.13 said, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, Our nation is under a spirit of delusion, a spirit of deception. I believe that God, for whatever reason, has tried to raise up Donald Trump for a parenthetical time to amend or reform some things in this nation. But it won't last long, uh, because America is ripe for judgment. And you say, well, how can you know that? Look at what's taking place in our news at the level and the or the, the highest level of our government. Uh, you know, the FBI was always renowned for a, 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 an institution of integrity. But what I've come to understand, I've said this for years now, it's like taking a song from a cassette tape. The, the, the days that we had cassettes, Doug, you remember that. Joe, you might remember cassettes. Oh, but yeah. You take another blank cassette and you copy from the master. That's known in the, the, the music world, the television talk show, a generational loss, one generational loss. Same music, same tone, same sound, same tune. But you lost something when you duplicated it. The same goes when you duplicate it the second time, but you don't use the master or the original. You make a copy from the copy. Same song, same tune, same sound. But what you begin to pick up is more hiss, more background noise. You're duplicating, but you're never able to reproduce it as a master. We see that with Adam. He was never able to reproduce himself other than in a fallen state. God made Adam in his image and in his likeness. Yet when Seth was born, the Bible says that Seth was made in Adam's image and in Adam's likeness. There was something lost. And through the years, I've watched why there continues to be a perpetual uh, declension demise in humanity. It's because every generation loses a measure of the quality of the previous generation, quality of, of uh, honesty, integrity, uh, work ethics, etc., etc. It, it bleeds through every aspect of life. And so Paul is not talking about just any particular time here. He's talking about the last days. Now, the first thing that Paul admonishes the church at Ephesus, he says, I want you to redeem the time. And the word redeem there is the same as it's always been. It means to buy back or to buy out. Not to allow a a suitable moment to go unheeded or to waste your time. And I was talking to a a preacher yesterday, and and it, and it, it stunned him when I said, why do you think we have the three letters, www.worldwideweb. Uh, it's a proven fact now that they intentionally, willfully knew they would affect the minds of our young people with dopamine and these impulses. Uh, it's like 
Facebook. I don't have Facebook, don't know anything about Facebook, couldn't do it if I wanted to do it. But I hear people talking, and what they're looking for is some type of gratification every time they get a like. You know, they, they throw something up there and people respond to it. Those uh, cause the brain, those likes cause the brain to issue chemicals in the brain, and it really begins to rewire what's taking place. That's why it's, tall, it's called a world wide web. We're all in it to some degree or another. I remember years ago when uh, the letters went out, because I know my grandparents were upset about it, but they said you can no longer get your Social Security check in the mail. It must be direct deposit. And you're seeing more and more and more of that. And, of course, it's convenient. You know, you know, at this particular day of the month, I think it's the third, fourth, or fifth, your money's going to be there. You can start writing checks using your debit card. And this is all about convenience, they tell you. What they're indirectly doing is rewiring the brain for the purpose of bringing about the spirit of delusion. And uh, we, we hear the terminology, well, you know, uh, yeah, the world may have created, but you know, the church can use it for the glory of God. But I don't see a lot of the glory of God being espoused uh, and preached and taught through through this like it ought to be. It's used for other means than what it should be used for when it comes to the gospel of Christ. So Paul is telling the church here, he said, you have got to redeem. You've got to buy back this time. Now, when he uses the word time here, it's not chronos, as you've heard me talk about. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's the succession of time. This is a divine appointed time when foreordained events are predetermined by God to take place. Just like this election, I believe, was foreordained of God, predetermined to take place. But this time is a, this type of time is a short time. It is a short duration. It doesn't last indefinitely. It's not the chronos, the, the perpetual succession. It is a special timed event. And something has to take place. And so Paul is telling us to redeem this particular time. And he tells us why. He said, because the days are evil. Now, we must seize every opportunity that we have. I've been riding around lately, and new construction is booming. I I saw the other day you can still get 3.0 interest rate on a 15-year fixed mortgage. People feel empowered to buy a new house or whatever, and, and have that low interest rate, because it's it's close to being almost interest-free. There's not a lot of interest at 3%, but nevertheless, there is some. But it empowers people to go out here and take risk and take chances that some would not ordinarily take. And this is why, ultimately, there's going to be some kind of correction. This stock market is just it's blowing my mind as it's having a meteoric rise. But you also must look and all of the metals, gold, silver, palladium, and platinum, all of them are, are going up too. So either somebody knows something or they're hedging against the stock market that something is going to happen, there'll be some kind of correction. I don't know the gravity of it, the severity of it, but when Paul is telling us to redeem the time, he's saying be sensible, be wise, be prudent. You know, we, we've quoted the scripture many times, Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: a wise man foresees trouble coming and takes refuge, but the simple are passed on and are punished. Uh, the, he 
Hebrews says they suffer because they didn't prepare. They didn't, they didn't take the time uh, to redeem it and to use it to their advantage. I was just talking to a gentleman just earlier today, uh, Brother Tom Watkins. He lives in California. And he was talking about the debacle he went through 2007-2008. And it wiped them out, lost everything, everything, uh, because of the declension, the decline in the economy. And so now he's trying to redeem the, and, and get, make a comeback from what's taken place. And, and so just because things are looking very grandiose right now, we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful that we don't get caught up in this foolish exuberance, you know, and act like happy days, happy times are here again, and it's going to remain like this. Uh, there has to be something to happen. And I said probably two or three years ago, matter of fact, Steve and I were down tamping with Jim Baker. Uh, I said, there's going to be an event that takes place that will cause all of us to mourn and weep. You know, if, 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 if something had happened to Obama, something happened to Hillary, something happened to Trump, there'd be certain factions that would be, you know, full of elation. They'd be exceedingly happy because something bad happened to their nemesis or whatever. But whatever's coming down the pike is going to affect all of us in a negative way. We, we just can't get through this unscathed. But because the Scripture is warning us, you need to redeem this time, you won't have to be uh, hurt so tremendously, so powerfully, if you make the proper decisions. You make the, the, the correct decisions. You're prayerful. You're mindful. You equate God into all of your decision-making process. Uh, David in Psalms 10:4 he said, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not and all of his thoughts. I had a gentleman tell me today. He said, his 401k has done so well, or his, or his, his pension, whatever, it's, it's, it deals with the stock market. He owes 40 more thousand dollars in income taxes for 2017. He said, hey, that, that's, a, that's a lot of money. And I said, you better believe that's a lot of income tax money. But I was standing there, and I knew better than to engage him and say, you need to be careful because He's just not a, 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 a godly man by no means. But I could see he's concerned about this meteoric rise, but now it's going to cost him something. And so as Paul is admonishing us here, he says, you've got to redeem this evil time. It's called, because he said the days are evil. So it's an evil time. It's not just any ordinary time. This is an evil time. And it's being manifest with the Department of Justice, or I should say the previous Department of Justice, the FBI, we're, we're watching all of this take place. And this is why the people are, or, or the American people are so angry and bitter, uh, because it's like if this was you or I, man, they would have done dropped the hammer on us and destroyed us. But because it's those people that are the elitist and we are the mere subjects, they don't see anything wrong with that. And so the next thing Paul says because these days are evil, he says, be ye not unwise. Now, the evil days, let me back up just a minute. Evil days are days of afflictions, a day of troubles, a day of persecution. They are merely days of adversity. Now, if you're a child of God, you're going to face 
adversity on a regular basis. Second uh, Timothy three twelve, Paul said, "Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." In other words, the more godly you try to live, the greater the persecution. And if Satan can't encroach your life, he'll encroach someone's life very close to you so he can hurt you. You know, sometimes we don't understand. Satan, the Bible says, Jesus said he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, God may not suffer him to kill, to steal, or to destroy, but he may allow him to hurt you. And this is when people get bitter because they've become hurt over a circumstance or a situation. And when bitterness takes root in a person's heart, that's the hardest thing to get out is bitterness and unforgiveness. And evil days bring that into people's hearts. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 15, Paul said, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness will defile you. Bitterness will defile you. Because the child of God is supposed to have joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now sometimes we may not have any joy. There may be a void of vacuity and emptiness. But when you let bitterness get in there, the Bible says it takes root. It, 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 it finds a way to get their tentacles and their roots deep inside of a person and keep them bitter. And of course, Paul goes on and relates that bitterness in the 16th verse, Hebrews 12 and 16. He said, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He didn't value his blessing. And when he has sold his birthright, he comes back to uh, his father and, and Jacob and says, is there but one blessing? And I, met, I preached a message that years ago, there is but one blessing, and the great blessing is the blessing of redemption. And there's only one way to be born again, only one way to be saved, only one way to be redeemed. That's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so uh, here we are. I, Jacob and Esau were brothers. Isaac was the dead. I, I'm wrong there. It was Isaac. He went back to Isaac and said, is there but one blessing? So bitterness, once it gets in there, all of your days will be evil. And you, you can't allow that to, to take place. Uh, Satan is a master at creating a circumstance in the home, a family, a marriage, siblings, spouses. He has a way of sowing that. And then when that happens, you can become unwise. And Paul said, redeeming the time because the days are evil, wherefore be ye not unwise. I've never seen such a time when there seems to be no wisdom in people's lives. Uh, people do some of the most frivolous things, and they they think they need. I had a uh, the same pastor I was talking to yesterday was telling me about his daughter wants this new iPhone. I think it's iPhone eight or something. It was a thousand dollars. He said the phone you've got's perfectly well, but daddy, this is different. And he was conveying to me how he was struggling to get her to understand. It's just another phone, but 
it's got another bell, it's got another whistle. So she's willing to spend another thousand dollars for another phone. That's not wise. That that's 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 not redeeming what you have. Keep that. Preserve that. Watch over your your finances. Protect yourself. And pray about things. Whether you should do this or or do that or. God, lead me, guide me, direct me. Don't let me go out here and be subject to my own whims, my own caprice, my own thoughts. God, help me to make better, smarter, prudent decisions. Because of these days of trouble, affliction, persecutions, we need wisdom. Uh, James 1, 5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally unto all men. If there's anything I've prayed about every day in my life is wisdom. God, give me wisdom. The reason I pray that is because the world is too cunning. The world is far too crafty. The world is so subtle. Uh, you know, I've been listening to the the talk about you know these FBI agents, how they set you up so you perjure yourself. They set a trap. See, they're... They're, they're, they're like the devil. They set this venue, and you walk into it, and you, you come with the greatest of intent. You're not going to lie. You're, you're not going to say this. You're not going to say that. But they're psychologically working on you to put you in a position of compromise, and you say something, then they'll come right back and say, you see, you told a lie. Now, the funny thing is now, uh, they've got a lot of lies on James Comey and all of his uh, uh witnessing when he's on that there at the uh, judicial congressional hearings there he has he's made statements now that they've got him on camera and on video and audio because no man is so smart he can talk to a hundred people and keep all the stories pinpointed and correctly and so the devil snares all of us or seeks to snare all of us and then he stands off to the side he just laughs and mocks at us and says look where i got you i got you in far deeper trouble because you lack wisdom. Uh, Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Too many times we get a thesis and a 20-page paragraph for a yes or no answer from people. You know, they go into all of these words and all of this vocabulary and all these nuances, and they say this and they say that, when all you're saying is, did you break that screwdriver, yes or no? And they convoluted. That's one of the greatest weapons Satan has of twisting and convoluting and making everything skewed. And this is why wisdom, and by the way, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to communicate or to use your knowledge. You know, uh, wisdom says, don't answer that question or do not respond to that question. Why? Because it's a foolish question. And when you answer a foolish question because you lack wisdom, the old sentence, you may very well put your foot in your mouth. And once you do that, you're in trouble. Uh, I'm trying to think of the verse. It's in Proverbs, believe 28. It says, answer not a fool in his folly, lest you be like unto him. Someone may ask you a question. Solomon says, he's a fool. If a fool asks you a question, don't answer him. Don't respond to him. Why? 
because you'll ultimately end up being just as foolish as he is. And so when we're confronted with a situation, it's wise, and James said this in James 1 and 19, be slow to speak, slow to wrath, and swift to hear. In other words, hear what's being said and and, 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 and think about what was said. Think how, or think about how the question was asked. Is, is this a setup? Is this, is this a, a means of trying to snare me or trying to trap me? Because this, this stuff goes on all the time. And, of course, an honest person with a pure heart will, will just say, you know, the truth. But then they'll take that and they'll twist it. They will skew it and try to make you say you said something that you, in reality, didn't say. And, of course, that's why all the, the attorneys, most of them are, you know, saying to Donald Trump, don't, don't, don't go uh, and, 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 and face Mueller uh, because he's going to set you up. He, he already is, he has an answer he's looking for. The devil has an answer he's looking for. A Christian has a pure heart and clean hands. And their objective is just to tell the truth. Just 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 lay it out there like it is. But the, the, the devil has a way of manipulating truth. Uh, when Jesus stood before Pilate, he he told him, He said, You know, I'm I'm I I am the Christ, I, I'm the Son of God. And Pilate says to him, He says, What is truth? He he asked the question, What is truth? And there was truth standing before him. You'll find that in the uh, 18th chapter of John, verse 38. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? Pilate was grappling with truth. Now, I know the truth when I hear it. I recognize the truth when I said I thought it was very condescending for the, I believe it was the congressman, a Democratic congressman who made the statement that we, the lay people of America, are not smart enough to read that four-page memo and understand it. Yep. But it, it, Doug, I thought, how condescending. You, we have people, Christian PhDs, doctorates, surgeons, you name it, but yet that bigoted, self-righteous, loathsome human being says, you people aren't smart enough. I wonder if he'd say that if he needed open-heart surgery to the surgeon. Good point. Yes, yeah, well, Adam I mean, Schiff, by the way. Adam Schiff. Yeah, I just right. want... Adam Schiff. Yeah. If he was getting ready to be rolled into the operating room for coronary disease and do a three or four you know, bypass, and the, the surgeon said, you think I'm qualified to read that? You think he'd tell him no? He's not going to insult him then. Because he's depending on that man to save his life. But that's the spirit of condescension. It's, in other words, they're, they're just always smarter than we are. And this is why Paul is admonishing the church. You've got to be wise. You've, you've got to be wise because you're facing opposition that, you know, you wouldn't normally face. But because you're a Christian, this is why we call it Christian persecution. See, they lambast it. But they, they, they attack so vehemently. If you know if you're a Christian today, you know like the Tim Tebow, they they virtually blackballed the young man because he knelt down on one knee and uh, recognized Christ. Yet all of these athletes can kneel down now, and it's great, it's wonderful, it, 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 it's it's marvelous. But what was the why was the why was the evil with Tebow? Because it was for for Jesus Christ. And one one gentleman said, 
Well, that's that's how I bow when I, I pray. So it's a, it's a sacred, it's a reverent place. But it's always only for the convenience of their lives would he deem it a sacred, a sacred place because that's all Tim Tebow was doing. He was in a sacred manner re- showing reverence to the Lord, but he, but he got castigated because of his convictions. So we have to not be unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. That's very important. Understanding. What does that mean? It means to put together in your mind, spiritually, to comprehend what God is desirous for your life. A man's will, God's will, is not a wish. It's not a whim. A will is something that's most of the time uh, can be predetermined or determined. It can be passed our decision's already been made. This is how we're going to carry it out. Most of the time, that's how it works with God. We we pray, thy will be done, like Jesus said. Why? The will was predetermined. He asked me, if at all possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So that was predetermined. Jesus was dealing with God, the Father's will, in the present. and was asking that that present determination you know, be removed. What was the present determination? Going to the cross, the immediacy of going to the cross. He wanted that to pass, but the will of the Father had already been predestined, had been predetermined. Paul wants us to understand what the will of the Lord is, because most of us, whether we want to believe it or not, accept it or not, God's will has been predetermined for our lives. I believe God, when you give your heart to the Lord, something happens of great significance wherein God is moving you into your your place of where he has predetermined you to go. I, 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 I That word destiny, I hear it so much in Christian media, I, I'm almost afraid to use it. But God has predestined you for certain things. He's got a, a, a predetermined plan for your life. Now, you don't have to submit to that. Joseph did not have to submit to that. We don't have to submit to God's will. This is where understanding comes in. Uh, the Bible said in Luke twenty four forty five. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. My understanding helps me to come to the realization of what's required or demanded of me. Uh, uh, you've, you've been you've had someone explain something to you, uh, a superior in your work company, and they 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 reply or they respond after they give you this explanation, and they say, "Do you understand?" What are they saying? Are you comprehending the task? Are you comprehending the responsibility? Are you comprehending the liability here? Do you understand this? You know. This, there could be risk involved. There could be danger involved. They, they, they say, do you understand? It, it follows the uh, explanation. And, and so Paul is doing the same thing. He said, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is, or, or the will of the Lord is. Do you understand what God's will is? Sometimes we may understand it, and we say, now I don't want to do it. But God will never ask you or never predestine you to have to do something that God has not made provision for you. <coughs> Excuse me. If God has predetermined, God has predestined something for you, he's going to provide for you. He will not put you out here 
uh, without aid, without assistance, without help. God makes provision. Uh, when Israel got out into the wilderness, he provided manna. Uh, he provided shade, the, the, the pillar of fire for heat. The pillar of the cloud was for, for protection uh, from the, the heat so they wouldn't burn up in the desert. He made provision for them because he had predestined them to the promised land. But they grumbled and complained and bickered and grappled with everything that God was doing. And and, and so when God has chosen you or called you uh, into a, a particular place, um, you got to know that God, his will is perfect. Let me Let me say that first of all. God's will is perfect. God's will is not flawed. Uh, God's will is not skewed, but in everything, God's will is perfect. And I've said this before. You say, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm suffering right now. How can that be perfect? How can that be mature, the complete will of God? When Jesus was in the very center and perfect will of the Father, he was on the cross. He was at his greatest state and place of suffering. He was hurting. Yet he was in the perfect will of God. And so when God may have you in a place, and you're hurting, and you're suffering, and you're grappling, that doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. It could very well mean you're in the perfect will of God. And so your 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 prayer goes just like Jesus. I want to show you the humanity in Jesus. He said, if at all possible... Let this cup pass from me. And his humanity, you know what he was praying for? He was praying for deliverance in his humanity. But the God in him said, no, I have to go to the cross. Too many times we pray for deliverance. And God is saying, I want to develop you. And for me to fully develop you and bring you to the place I want to bring you to, I can't get you out of this. I, don't misunderstand the statement. He could get you out of it. He doesn't want to get you out of it because it's his will to have you there so that he might develop you. See? Um, one, one, of the, one of the things that people don't understand about Joseph, and you'll only find this in Psalms 81 and verse 5. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not. He didn't understand Egyptian. He had to learn it. But his brothers came. They didn't know Egyptian so that Joseph could speak Egyptian among the Egyptians and his brothers not know what he was saying. But when they were talking in Hebrew, he understood every word they were saying. My point in sharing that is because sometimes you feel like you're in a difficult place relative to God's will, and you're saying, get me out of this. Get me out of here, man. I, yeah, this is a tough place to be. And every time Israel found themselves in a, in, a, in a straight, a difficult, hard place, they grumbled, they bickered, they complained, and God would deliver them. He would he would, he would send blessing. He would send the quail. You know, he 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 the clean up the water that was bitter. But here's what the Bible says in Psalms 106 in verse 12, 13, 14, 15. 
Then believed they his words, they sang his praise. Oh, how great God is. He's blessing, man, he's opened doors, etc. Then here's what happened. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. They didn't understand God's will. Or they moved without getting advice. They, they, they moved without seeking God's wisdom, without seeking God's counsel. Then the psalmist said, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. This is what people do when they get bitter, angry, unforgiveness. They start doubting God. God, you failed me. God, you let me down. And here's what the calamity is. Psalms 106.15. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. The word leanness there in the Hebrew says he sent a famine, a personal spiritual famine in every one of their hearts. Why? They didn't, they didn't continue to lean upon God. They didn't continue to seek God. They didn't seek his counsel. They didn't seek his words. They didn't seek his wisdom. They just, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and, and forget God. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the human nature of mankind. So, again, Paul here is telling us, do not lack wisdom. Do not be unwise. But be understanding. And understand, no, come to comprehend what the will of the Lord is. And then, you know, Paul gets down to where people are living. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. You know, regretfully, people today are in a lot of pain. And to mitigate, to ameliorate their pain, they, they, they take narcotics, they smoke pot, they, they drink liquor, they drink wine, and, and then they, they get drunk, you know? And, and, and then they do things that they know they shouldn't be doing, but, you know, it's like you've heard the old cliche, that's the liquor talking. Uh, that gave them false courage, and they said, and they've done things they should not have done. Paul understands what happens to people who do not understand the will of God. They turn to another venue, and he's talking about spirits. He's talking about alcohol here. He's not, he's not, he's not trying to fabricate something or, or preach you a, a cotton candy sermon. He said, but, but he says, don't do that. Don't be drunk with wine. Wherein is excess? Uh, maybe he would justify in that day drinking a glass of wine. But the problem with most people is that I couldn't condemn anybody to hell for drinking a glass of wine. I'd never do that. But most people, sad to say, can't stop with one. It's two, three, four, five, and then they're inebriated and they're firing on another man's wife or vice versa, and all this begins to take place because it's excess. It's excess, Paul says. But instead of doing that, Paul said, why don't you be filled with the Spirit? Why don't you be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Let God's Spirit have the preeminence. Let God's Spirit have His way in your life. And that's the perpetual, constant battle is my Spirit, in the natural, wants to oppose God's Spirit. Every, every man has a Spirit. And... Galatians 5, 16, 17, Paul said, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or, you know, get into the booze, get, get, get lit up, uh, but, but, but stay sanctified and in the Spirit. He said, for the flesh, 
lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. That's why there's this, there's this continual battle in all of us, and you have to suppress the carnal man. But whatever your carnal man ever does, the spirit first gives consent. If you're sitting there tonight listening to this or tomorrow or the podcast or whatever the case might be, and you say, I'm going to go to the refrigerator and I'm going to get me a glass of orange juice. You first convey that message in your mind, in your spirit. Then your flesh reacts. Then your flesh reacts to what your spirit has given consent. Or, when it comes to the subject of fasting, your spirit says to your flesh, I'm going to deny you the right of food for three days. And in pain, hunger, suffering, and, well, you know, sometimes we get weak, we, we don't finish the fast, we quit, or whatever. But the spirit is what's going to dictate your life in which direction it goes. You, your spirit is going to give the consent for that. And so Paul says, but if you, if you induce alcohol and in, a, in excess, you're going to do the wrong thing. So he said, instead of being having an excess in beverage, have an excess with the Spirit of God. And then here's what he, what he brings to, to, to help us here is what the Spirit of God will bring. It brings to yourselves. When you start getting filled with the Spirit, you'll want to speak. You'll want to sing. So he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now you understand God's will. Now you're redeeming the time because you realize how evil the days are and you want God's presence. You want God's anointing. You want that fellowship. And you don't want to do anything to hurt that with inducing things into your body that, that you know, manipulate your mind or get you going down the wrong path. So when you become filled with the Spirit, things begin to look different. Things begin to have a different um, appearance. You know, it may be the same thing, but because now you have the Spirit has the predominance or the preeminence in your life, you say, I'm not going there, I'm not doing that, I'm going to stay away from that. And of course, uh, I love what Paul says here, speaking to yourselves in Psalms. In other words, let the Psalms speak to yourselves. I mean, I probably, and there's no doubt about it, I probably have more Psalms verses committed to memory than any book in the Bible because they just they just say so much. There's just no doubt about it. I could sit here and quote an enormous amount of passages from the book of Psalms. Why? Because they're so edifying. I was just reading again the other day, Psalms 27, verse 1. David said, the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Now, let's just let's forget about spirituality here. Let's just look at us in the natural. He is the strength of my life, my attitude, my work ethics, uh, how I feel about life, how I feel about my wife, how I feel about my husband, how I feel about my job. He said the Lord is the strength of my life. Now we can take that to the spiritual application, how we feel on the inside as a spiritual man. He's the strength of my spiritual life. I have the spiritual strength 
to say, no, I have the spiritual strength to resist temptation. I have the spiritual strength to pray, to fast, to read my Bible. And Paul is admonishing us, hey, speak to yourselves in the Psalms and hymns. Now that's a that's a that's a that's a important subject to me. Some of you listening tonight, you're not familiar with the old hymns. A mighty fortress is our God. Amazing grace. The, 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 some of the great hymns. Uh, Fanny Crosby wrote that song. Uh, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. I mean, the, the hymns. And a lot of the psalms would be hymns. And they would sing the psalms. You know, uh, Andre Crouch, I believe it was. I may be wrong about him. But he took Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Somebody took that verse and wrote a song with that one verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And they sang it, and they would sing it, and the Spirit of God would move. But today, we've gotten into such contemporary music, and those those songs, regretfully, are just written from the intellectualism, the old hymns were written from experiences. They were written from a relationship with God. They were written from men and women's lives who were on their knees, who had prostrated themselves and began to pray, began to seek God, and the Spirit of God would well up within them, and, and they'd get this unction, and they'd get these words, and they would pen them, and God would help them with the melody. And and uh, the old song, uh, Precious Lord, that was a black gentleman, uh, Thomas Dorsey. The old song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand and Lead Me On. He wrote that song. Uh, he First of all, he was a, he was a black man, and he, I think he was... His mama was a... Uh, she taught music in one of the uh, institutions, in, and I believe it was in the state of Alabama or Georgia. His father was a minister. But Tommy Dorsey got involved in the blues and jazz music out of New Orleans. And he got away from his roots. But he came back and he gave his heart to God. Then he began to play in the old tent camp meetings. And he had to go to a meeting to play. And he had been, had been there all week. And his wife was pregnant. And while he, was, he just got through playing and had sat down on the podium with the ministers, somebody ran up to him and handed him a telegram. And the telegram said, your wife just had a little boy, but both of them died. She died during the birth, and then the child died after the birth. And uh, he buried both the son and the mother, his wife, in the same casket. And it was under a time of great distress. He just didn't know if he could make it any further. He, he just didn't know if he had the wherewithal to, to go on because he was hurting. He was suffering so so terribly in his heart. And but he went he went and he sat down at a piano and he, he the, the history has it he just he just began to play a tune and he began to play music and all of a sudden those words came to him and he, he began to pen those words because he he was writing he was writing um, from his heart. And I, I don't have the, the words, but if anybody would like to Google them, it's Precious Lord. He talks about leading him through the night, through the darkness, through the tempest, through the storm. And that was a, a, an, old, uh, an 
gold helm uh, that he had penned, and he was it, it was an inspiration in a time of desperation. You know, this is how God works. In, in our time of desperation, God can give us inspiration. And sometimes we don't understand that because it's like, how can I be getting inspiration in this time of desperation? It's because God is trying to heal the wound. And through your desperation, you may get inspiration. But see, that song, that one song has ministered to people all over the world. Now, for just a secular man, you know, die, I mean, his wife died and child died and then they buried him and he was, you know, no one of, 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 of any significance and he wasn't a Christian. He couldn't be inspired to write a song or have that kind of a testimony, but Tommy Dorsey was able to have that inspiration and then he would write a song that would touch millions of people's lives. I mean, that song is so, it's so anointed. I love, especially when they do it the old way, the old the old rhythm, the old chords, it's powerful. It's anointed. Why? Because it was written out of desperation through inspiration. And God mended the brokenness in his life. But then God was able to take that same song and bless millions of people. You know, today's music doesn't have that kind of inspiration. Because today's message in the world this is not one that you're going through a time of desperation, but every day should be just a blessed day. Your best day ever, or whatever that stuff is, you know, the power of I am, all of those things. That's that's just not reality. You know, what do you say when, you, when somebody has lost a wife and lost a infant, and they're both put in the casket and buried? You know, you, you, if you're going to say something, you better have something it's full of wisdom and comfort if you're going to say anything. But we don't see songs like that anymore. And then Paul says, and spiritual songs. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Spiritual songs. What a conclusion there in that verse. What will it do? Spiritual songs. It'll make melody in your heart. A melodious tone, a melodious tune will begin to evolve. And what will that do here in verse 20? It'll cause you to give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what inspiration in a time of desperation does when God begins to bless you're then able to give thanks always for all things. Now, that's, that's hard. But this is what happens when the Spirit begins to fill the void, the vacuity, the emptiness, when the presence of God comes in. And he, the Spirit of God, His purpose, His job is to edify, to build us up. The Spirit of God does not tear us down. The Spirit of God builds us up. It's men, it is circumstances, it is situations, it's troubles, it's persecution. These are the things that tear us down. But God says, wait, let my Spirit, get full of my Spirit, and He will build you back up. Well, you can fight tomorrow's fight. You can endure tomorrow's temptations. You can run the race. You can finish the course. You don't ever have to quit. And this is this is what is so needed in this hour, and, and and I just want to encourage everyone tonight to do the first thing, redeem the time, because the days are evil. 
and we're, we're as, as I said, I don't know, several programs ago, this thing is just going to get worse. This 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 whole debacle is going to get worse, and my concern is that there is some kind of catastrophic false flag to redirect the attention. And the reason being is because what Donald Trump has said, he says, we're going to win and win big. You're going to get tired of winning, he said. Well, Satan gets angry when we have perpetual victories over and over and over. And this is why you have to be prepared for this onslaught, this unleashing of the powers of darkness, because they're plotting, planning something right now to counter all of this. I'm not a fool. I pray you're not a fool. But you've got to understand, the devil is trying to put together a counterattack. When they made this plan, this plot, I should say, it was a plot, that if he was elected president, we have good reason, good cause to impeach him. Now, whether they can get it through the Senate, I don't know. Don't know if they can get it through the House. But we don't know the powers that would be put upon congressmen and senators to go that way. But the, the, the malice, the hatredness is so great. And the more light that is shined, as I talked about several weeks ago, on things that are concealed, that's been in the dark, the worse it looks. And so the only counter is, from the enemy standpoint, is to create another overwhelming circumstance or situation. That, that's how Satan does it. You know, uh, he hit you with a hammer. That didn't work. He's just going to now go get a sledgehammer. You know, he's going to keep amping it up, ramping it up, so he can appear to have a measure of success. And we have to be careful. Uh, you know, when, when, when the, the Philistines came and they burned down the city of Ziglag, it got so bad that the people were going to stone the psalmist David. And the Bible says that David began to seek the Lord, and he encouraged himself, and the Lord is God. And God told him, he said, you go recover all. I'm going to be with you. You're going to recover everything that's been stolen. So Satan, you know, he, he not only did he burn down the city, he also uh, 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 took their wives. Uh, he took David's wives. He suffered the same harm, the same retribution of the enemy that the layman suffered. So I, I, I see the enemy through all of this, trying to plot and to cause all of us to suffer in some capacity. So I want to encourage you folks tonight to, just, to, to simply redeem the time because the days are evil. There that. You know, Pastor, I feel like you were talking directly to me. Uh, you know, the, 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 the past few days, and if you don't mind me just interjecting here. Sure, you we, go right ahead. A, well, you know, we, we've only got about three minutes left of the show, and I can't believe how quickly the time is gone but um you know sometimes you just feel like you just you're we're not getting anywhere you know we, we see the we see the evil there's no correction to the evil or at least not no perceptible correction we we see all of the headlines and oftentimes i feel helpless so i feel like today um you spoke directly to me and i know that there are so many people listening to this broadcast tonight that you spoke directly into their hearts i know that i can feel that and what an anointed in my view an anointed uh, message tonight wow well thank you and and god bless everyone i hope somebody everyone got at least something out of it in, indeed yep. absolutely I, uh, 
Wow. I hope everybody did, and I, I can't imagine uh, anybody who listened not getting something out of that, Pastor. This was this was so timely, and, and Pastor, thank you so very much for for being a part of our show. Well, wow. you're quite welcome, and we love everyone, and we'll see you guys next week. Right. Absolutely. And we need these uh, these yes. spiritual reminders and, and uh, uplifting messages. When we see all the craziness that is around us and all the evil that is around us in the world we live mm-hmm. in, in the country we live in, we talk about this um, this this anti-Christian spirit that is just mm-hmm. throughout Hollywood, the media, and all the positions of power in this country as they are just promoting uh, depravity and moral bankruptcy as some kind of moral high ground in itself. And then yep. if yep. you don't, if you don't fully accept their immorality, then you are the evil one, according to them, which it's only going to get worse. Uh, as the Absolutely. Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism.com. Thank you so very much, Pastor. God really bless you guys. It. Have a great night. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Wow, folks, uh, what, a, what a great message that was from Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism, of course, linked right off of HagmanReport.com. And speaking of persecution, you know, it's been a while since I've mentioned this, prepare for persecution. If you don't have prepare for per- persecution, it's a book written by Maria Canise. Go to Amazon.com and purchase prepare for persecution. If you're a Christian listening to this broadcast, I, I was humbled to be able to write the forward to that book. Prepare for persecution. And it's a great book. It tells you exactly what to expect. And uh, I felt broken last night, and I picked it up this morning, and I was reading from it. And I'll tell you something. Uh, shot in the arm. Prepare for persecution, Maria Canese. And I just want to say, you know, it, it really helped me. Uh, again, uh, a great program. Thank you to John Robertson, our producer. Thank you, Eric the Tech. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Joe. Um, thank you, Lady the Studio Dog, and, and uh, don't forget Theo. Theo. Theo, of course. But but thank each and every one of you because I know you care. We all care about what's taking place. Welcome, simplysafe.com as uh, a sponsor. That's simplysafe.com. Folks, check it out. Simplysafe.com slash Hagman. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Simply Safe. Thank you, everyone, for listening tonight. And um, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. And listen to our shows, uh, Doug Hagman Radio Show in the morning and the Hagman Daily, Daily show. show. That's right. And with that, we're out of here. We'll the tomorrow. Building. Have a great evening.